Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. If everything that you're doing, you're doing with your cars. You will have no privacy whatsoever with your own cash. You can open the zip and eat the sandwich. Crow. It's just incredible. Like. People drink responsibly and people drink irresponsibly. And then we have trouble outside. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96FM. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Okay, so what we thought was happening or going to happen uh, this time yesterday or, yeah, this time yesterday is going to happen. The Mercy Hospital Pediatric Service is moving to CUH. They're saying April of 2024. There's a bit more to it now that we know 24 hours on. There's a big spanking new pediatric unit with 80-something beds and four operating theatres being built and will be ready at CUH to move all those services over. So that's a good thing. But then what's the north side going to do for a children's ward or a children's A&E? That's the question that's still being asked across the city. And like your thoughts, now that we know, we didn't know yesterday for sure, but now we know it's going to happen. 0818 96 96 96, the number. Morning to you. Text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. You can drop us a voice note as well on anything in particular that takes your fancy. I don't know what's going to happen with this search in Wexford. They found nothing yet. Um, it appears this trawler left Castletown Bear. And then got in trouble off the southeast coast. And the guard, the drugs unit is involved, and the Navy is involved. And there was people winched off it. It's 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 still very much an ongoing search. For what? We don't know, but they think rather a lot of cocaine. It could have been on that trawler. We'll watch that at any d- developments during the morning, particularly the car connection, seeing as it's left Castletown Bear. And um, if, if we get anything on that, we'll We'll certainly bring it to you. Also, that figure in the news this morning, um, that one in eight homes now in arrears on energy bills. Charlie Weston has all the details in, in The Independent. And we are now 14 days to the budget. Uh, two weeks today, is, or two weeks tomorrow, can't remember which, is the budget day. And there will be a lot of pressure now on these numbers for more 200 euro credits. Remember, we got them last year. We got three of them. And yes, there was probably a better way to do it. And yes, we were kind of helping the energy companies more than helping ourselves. 
But certainly when those credits landed in my bill, I was grateful for them. They took a bite out of the worst of it at the worst time of the energy crisis. So I certainly, for one, appreciated them. There's going to be a call for more of them now. We know, well, we're fairly sure there's one coming. We may need more. And I remember when I was talking to Michael McGrath, the Minister for Finance, after the budget last year, he told me uh, very clearly that if they had to do it again this year, they would have the money to do it. So, and that tape is somewhere buried in the in, in the vaults. If I have to pull it, I will. But yeah, they said if they, had, if they needed to do it, uh, they would have the money to do it. Well, on these figures coming out from the regulator, they will need to do it. 0818-969696, the number. I can't believe this is still going on. Now, sometimes when I do something on my social media uh, and it begins to attract a row, either against me or other people rowing among themselves, I just block and mute. And that's what that button is for. But I left this one go a bit. Um, there's a cat fight going on on my social media and everybody else's social media about this moment at the rugby on Saturday. Which, by the way, I thought was brilliant. There you go. Played the song yesterday as well to Marcus. There's a backlash against the song coming from all sides. And people are fighting among themselves now as to whether it was appropriate or not to sing it. Now, <laughs> clearly the 40,000 Irish fans in the Stade de France on Saturday night thought, yeah, let's go for it. It's been sung quite frequently at Thoman Park when Munster are playing. It also has been sung at the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick when the hurling team are playing. But Saturday night was probably the biggest audience a crowd ever got singing zombie. I think he got, did someone say that, was it sung when Munster won the league, the URC, earlier in the year? I think it, I think it was. They won that in South Africa. But, <sighs> Tyg Hickey has weighed in now. And Tyg's comedy, he's done a lot of brilliant comedy on the divisions in the north. It's, it's one of the areas where Tyg is very funny and very insightful. Um, and he's touring at the moment with his new show, which is called the Marxist Terrorist Supporting Scumbag Tour, which comes on the back of the release of his book, A Portrait of the Piss Artist as a Young Man. But Tyg has been weighing into this discussion. He says it's a partitionist anthem and possibly not appropriate for singing at moments like this. I wouldn't want to put words in your mouth, though, uh, Tyg. Per- perfect partitionist anthem. Good morning. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. C96FM.ie Tyg, my sincere apologies, bye. My sincere apologies. Your thoughts on this whole zombie thing? Good morning. Good morning. Um, 
I'd like to say, first of all, anyway, that people can sing songs. And that's the whole thing with the Wolf Tones recently where, you know, there's a lot of hysteria about singing songs. So I'm not for a moment saying don't sing the song or, or ban the song. I suppose I have two points in it. The first is, like, I don't think it's an ideal anthem for, to, you know, an unofficial anthem for the four, the four provinces because I feel like the song... This is my interpretation of it, I suppose. And I, you know, I suppose other people have different interpretations. Mm. I think it fits very neatly into the Southern perspective on the North, which is kind of like, you know, from a Limerick or Cork or Dublin perspective that wasn't really paying attention and that had, you know, got a lot of, I would say, propaganda from RTE and the Indo. And the basic message was that we don't really know what's going on in the North, but it's, it's embarrassing us. Would you stop it? And it has not really to do with us, but we know that Republicans are kind of to blame for it. That's I'm not saying that's, you know, the thinking behind the song particularly, but it fits very well into that type of narrative that I feel I grew up with mm. um, in, in the south of Ireland. And my other point, and this is, I suppose, my main point really is that I think others are trying to weaponize it. Like I've seen other uh, journalists who I won't name uh, saying, you know, is this our anthem? This is the anti kind of Celtic symphony anthem. And I think that's kind of dangerous because it's it's trying to create a kind of a culture war where like the idiots are kind of singing Celtic Symphony and, and up the ra and all this kind of stuff. And over here, the rugby fraternity like have a new, much more nuanced uh, anthem zombie, which it, it doesn't go in for all that. And it's kind of it's anti IRA. And I think the big thing across the two points I'm trying to make and the big thing across all this is that. We're so fixated on the IRA, like we're just it's it's almost like they came out of a vacuum and that there was no one else part of the conflict. And that's the type of propaganda that I'm yeah. I mean, me or any other Republican I, I can think of or any rational person would say that what happened in Warrington was absolutely horrific and yeah. despicable. And I was going to go know, there with that for a second, Ty, because when yeah. you think about the circumstances absolutely. in which Dolores wrote this song and reputedly of course. wrote it in 20 minutes, she was like yeah. the rest of us. And I remember Warrington like it was yesterday, Tyg, and yeah. being nauseous at the thought of what had been done in my name and yours. And I'm sure that's how Dolores felt when she sat down to write this song. It has become adopted, though, I would have thought, as a song yeah. against all forms of senseless violence. That's my interpretation of Zombie. Yeah, yeah. And I think some people are interpreting it that way, maybe that might be the, the dominant interpretation. I think people I've spoken to in the North, and again, I'm obviously not speaking for the North, I'm just talking to people that I know up there, and they wouldn't be Republican, they'd be they'd be nationalists. They would feel like it's a it's a not complete picture. And the song is representative of a southern perspective that wouldn't have the complete picture. Like I me, mean, my own hobby, like my pet hobby horse is that in the South, when I was growing up, I felt that we just I didn't understand the nature of the conflict because there was this black hole of information from kind of the foundation of the state mm-hmm. to 1969. I mean, I don't know. Do you do you agree with that? But I felt like that we just didn't understand. I mean, I never heard about the collusion. I never heard about the pogroms. I didn't know what nationalists yeah, went yeah. through before the troubles. You know, I guess over the years, and, Tiger had the privilege of interviewing people like Martin McGuinness. I also interviewed yeah. Ian Paisley, and I read. That wonderfully talented young lady taken from us way too soon, Lyra McKee. Exactly. And every time you pick up a book or every time you talk to someone about the North, there's a different story that we here, and you're right, we here in the South, 
we only get what we're being told in the moment. So we form our views based on what we're being told in the moment. And I know that when Dolores talked about zombie, it was at the, the horror of what had been done in Warrington. But I, there's something about the way the song is sung. You know, it's in your head, it's in your head. My interpretation, the central message of it is old thinking doesn't work anymore. We need to move forward from that. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think that's I think that's a fair enough interpretation of the song. And I certainly think it was coming from a good place and I'm not criticising her and I'm mm. not criticising her music. I just feel like it's... Um, it's a kind of an incomplete picture and that ne- that's necessarily the case when somebody grew up in the jurisdiction that we did grow up. And the main thing that I think that I'd be concerned about is, I mean, I don't know if you saw online, there's a lot of hysteria online, of course, mm. and, you know, people accusing you of, you know, if you if you tweet one way or the other, that, oh, yeah. you know, being reductionist, like you're either for the UVF or you're against the UVF and all this kind of nonsense. But I did notice that a lot of the Indo- columnists and say loyalist activists are unanimous in their praise for this song because there's something uniquely anti-IRA about it from yes, a certain there is perspective. That, I there is that and you, you're, you're completely correct in that. Do you know what's strange though is the sport to which it has become connected uh-huh. it's an all-Ireland team our, our, our rugby team represents the 32 counties and this song has become associated with it. Mm. I just feel like, and again, I don't want to speak for them, but you will have people from a unionist tradition, uh, particularly a loyalist tradition, that I think would be quite comfortable with that song being mm. representative of, of Irishness. You will have people from a nationalist background who won't necessarily be Republican, and I think it's important to to stress that I'm not giving it the Shinner perspective. I'm talking about ordinary mm. nationalists who would feel the song doesn't really kind of encapsulate the history before the, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that every song needs to do all that, but it just fits very snugly into the predominant Southern narrative, which I think forgets everything that happened before. It's part of this kind of culture wars thing that you get down South as well to kind of say, Oh, we have our new anthem. It's zombie. And uh, we can kind of, that's what we'll use now to uh, to, to say that the, the riffraff are kind of singing the Celtic Symphony song because they don't know what they're talking about. We're, we are a little bit more nuanced over here. It's I, think an that's, interest, I think that's It's dangerous. an interesting take, though. It is. I, how did you feel, lastly, Tyg? How did you feel when you heard the sound coming out of Stade de France? Well... I love Ireland and I love sport and I, you know, rugby's not my main game, but like my main feeling was like, oh my God, we're after beating the world champions. Like it's what a proud Mm -hmm. moment for anyone in the country. But I suppose when that song came out, I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure how I feel about about the rugby fraternity, which would be traditionally a little bit more middle class, singing a song from a very, very middle class, um, I would say kind of partitionist perspective. I think it's rewriting history a little bit. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about the song. But at the end of the day, Ireland Ireland have won a match and they've beaten the world champions. And I think that should probably be the, the number one message, really. Probably should. Am I still invited on Thursday to the Opera House? <laughs> well, I think we've come closer together there rather than falling out. <laughs> Ty, how are you doing for Thursday? Good man, yeah, really looking forward to it. Can't wait. I got a standing ovation in Ulster Hall there the other night, so I can't wait to bring the show to Cork. So whether you agree with me or not on Zombie, I just like to urge people to come to the Opera House on Thursday night. We see you there, fella. Thanks, Tyg, as always. <laughs> Thanks a million, PJ. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, fella. Another great Tyg Hickey. Uh, pray to Cork, that man. Um, 
his tour, I, I love the name of his tour and the name of his book. His tour is called The Marxist Terrorist Supporting Scumbag Tour. That's at the Opera House Thursday. And his book, Portrait of the Piss Artist as, as a Young Man. Love that. Do you agree with him? Is Zombie... Uh, is Zombie a song written from a southern perspective about a northern conflict that we didn't understand. Because I'll be honest with you, he is right when he says, as a kid growing up, certainly as a young man in my teens and early 20s, when it was at its height above. And I remember my dad, God rest him, served on the border in the very early days of the trouble up in a place called Scottstown. He served up there for a little while. And, and he always said to me, uh, the people of Northern Ireland are beautiful, beautiful people. And if you ever get an opportunity to get to know them, do that. Um, so, I don't know. But I still thought this was a golden moment. I really did. And who knows? We have Scotland in two weeks. Hopefully we'll sing it again that night. And then with all going according to plan, the All Blacks on October the 14th. Imagine the noise we'll make if we can beat them boys again. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm now going to start blocking and muting me as social media because of the nonsense and people are screaming at one another on it. I've completely backed out the conversation thirty six hours ago, and they're still fighting with each other. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. Beautiful morning out there now. Gorgeous autumnal day, um, but tomorrow Storm Agnes looks set to hit us. Don't know how bad she'll be, but she's a bad tempered mama. And she's gathering out at sea, and she's going to hit us at some stage tomorrow. We, we, we don't really know how bad. Okay, she'll be no Ophelia, uh, or anything like it. But she'll be bad enough if she hits us full on. We'll keep an eye on that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, yesterday I was talking to Leanne. Uh, her son was the victim of a hit and run Thursday evening at Glen Avenue. Now, Angela is the little boy's nana. His name, I think, is Dean. And, uh, Angela, you wanted to talk about the, the area and the traffic and the roads in in general. How is Dean, by I the way? I do indeed. How's Dean he's doing? N- he's okay, but he's very, very down in himself lately, okay. you know. Okay. He's actually still getting kind of, you know, there was a crack in the bone in the leg and he's feeling the effects of that as well. Okay, well, hopefully, hopefully he'll be okay. it's getting worse. Okay, hopefully. I know, I know. Well, give him, give, him, give, him, give him our best. But, but the roads in general are kind of dangerous up there is what you're saying. They are very dangerous, PJ. I mean, I've been on the roads, like, you know, in taxis and things like that. I see cars flying up and down that road every day, you know, every day. Mm. And there's no speed ramps, there's no cameras, there's nothing, say, from Glenview down as far as Blackpool. Really? There's actually nothing. And there's mm. only one set of traffic lights for the children crossing the road for school in the mornings. That's okay. all that's there. Because I'm not up 
that part of the north side as often as it might once have been, Angela. But I do remember them putting in speed bumps in a lot of different places, but not down that area, no? Not down that area, not down this area, PJ, no, unfortunately not. And my, like, you know, I was, I'm, I'm livid all over it, you know, because residents now are at the, they're saying to Leanne, like, they've put in four ramps to be put in and speed cameras and stuff, and they were refused. Oh. They were they fought tooth and nail. They were on the echo and everything, and they they were just refused point blank. No. Did you go to? You know? or Did they go to their local councillors or what happened? They did. They did indeed. She was told all that. Right. Right. Yeah. Why, yeah. Why and were they, they, they refused, were refused. You know? Why were they refused? I actually don't know. I didn't get to the bottom of okay. it yet, but okay. I will. Okay. Okay. Now you know. You say there are hardly any speed bumps at all and no speed cameras there's either. none oh, no. nothing nothing from Glenview all the way down to Blackpool and it'll take someone to be killed or something or something to go wrong like my grandson well, for, for them to do something and it's not not fair well he's already he's already a lucky, one very lucky boy so we sincerely he hope that, that nothing else anything worse would, would happen but it's, it's, it is like this, isn't it, all the way, Angela, that, you know, it takes something to happen before anyone's listened to it, you know? Exactly, PJ, and it's very, very wrong. I mean, they've fought for it, mm. for speed ramps and cameras, and got refused, so it's not for the want of trying. Mm. And now this is after happening, like, if there were speed ramps and cameras there, maybe, hopefully, this wouldn't have happened to my grandson, you know? Yeah, well, certainly with the ramps, because I know, as, as I said, any time I've been up the north side, or indeed they're in parts of the south side too, where you come across speed ramps, you know, you, it does make you check what you're doing, for sure. Oh, oh, it does, it does. It actually does, PJ. Do you know? And that, that's what should be done with the road over in, in the Glen, Glen Avenue and that. Were you saying to the and lads that school, school times in general are really worrying for, people, for parents? Oh, of course they are. There is there is uh, traffic lights only there for them, the, the children to cross the road, but that's all that's there. Is there a, a lollipop person? There is, yes. Right. At least there's that. Yeah. Yeah, at least that, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of, lot of children go to them schools, you know, in, in the Glen. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the area itself. Okay. All right, Angela. Listen, give give Dean our best. Tell him I was asking for him, and 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 Leanne as well. And hopefully he'll be fine. Um, Angela Corcoran, uh, Nana of young Dean, who was knocked down outside or in on the Glen Avenue area. There near a shop, I think, on uh, Thursday evening. No traffic coming, and that's his Nana on the phone. But but there you go. They asked and were refused. You 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 have to you have to wonder why. Now. On the subject of road accidents and on hit and runs in particular, because this has been treated as a hit and run, Michael, you sent us an email um, calling for tougher measures. Morning. Morning, PJ. Uh, yes, most unfortunate. You know that uh, so many children in recent times seem to be the unfortunate victims of hit and runs in general and very often traffic accidents. And you know, if we look at this, if we try to look at this objectively, and it's not always easy when we hear of children who are left lying on the road injured, but look, 
more and more people seem to be in a rush when they're out. We see it every day. We won't go into all the details. But, you know, if you pull up on an amber light now, you'll have a guy behind you hooting and blowing. Why are you delaying me? True. You have guys going through on, um, on red lights. You have people driving into the yellow boxes, blopping up the junctions. Because everybody claims, look, I'm in a rush. I'm in a rush. You, you approach the tunnel at any stage into the 60-kilometre zone and people come behind you hooting and blowing because you're only travelling at 60. So the problem seems to be <clears throat> that, you know, we do not have proper re- laws and regulations to deal with those people who are not prepared to comply with the road traffic acts and the regulations. Mm-hmm. Now, what I sent you was a case of a man who had 501 convictions. Mm-hmm. No, this is just unbelievable. And, and he then, was off the road. And he was found driving a car while he was on, uh, he was suspended for 25 years from driving. So which means that he's driving without insurance, which is extremely dangerous for any motorist out there now. And in particular, let's, and you know, we, we want, we, just to single them out, you know, parents taking children to and from school, you know, somebody like this will smash into them, injure them, or worse, and, and there is no recourse against this individual because, you know, most of them will be unemployed. They have no money. So you can you get nothing from them. So, you know, the whole system is not working. Mm. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to propose solutions here. But, you know, somebody in authority should try to get an educated group of people together. And I'm not just talking about members of the legal and judicial system. I'm talking about, let's just say, journalists, members of community activists who are, you know, involved and out there with the public. Get them to sit down in in a group and try to evaluate how best to approach this system because it's not working. You have people speeding, you have people driving without insurance, which and or the tax is, is of course, a, a different matter, but the insurance is far more important. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't drive without tax. It's the law. I know. Yeah, I think driving habits, Michael, is probably something that's worth addressing too. I mean, I know that I said this last week, and I'm not going to go into any more detail, but for my own reasons, personal reasons in the last year or two, I've had cause to check my driving habits. And now I just kind of say, you know what? If I'm two minutes late for the meeting then that's all right. I get well, there safely. And, and that's a big learning. I, I agree with you, PJ. And in addition to everything else, I can tell you my, 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 uh, my mileage has gone up considerably since I, took, I take more care of how I drive now. I drive a fairly powerful car, but I'm getting 44 miles to the gallon mm-hmm. because I now you know, keep well within the speed limits, mm-hmm. which is important. But particularly around the city, I think for those people who are in a rush... You know, they should try to give themselves the extra few minutes. But, PJ, we also have to look at what happens when those people are found to be committing these offences. The system as it is now does not seem to be working because the deterrent is not there. Mm. And that's why I would like to see, you know, a, a group formed by the government to review all of this because it, it just seems that people just do not respect the laws and it seems that the penalties imposed, if any, are just not working because there is no deterrent for those people and particularly people driving without insurance, we need to have a more forceful penalty system. You, you might remember a week or two ago when we were chatting with Dr. Jason Vandeveld here in studio and then Justin 
who's a retired cop and soldier um, from the United States living in, in West Cork. He yes, called yes, me yes. and he was saying it's enforcement is the problem. We just need more enforcement well, and ruthless you know, enforcement. Peter, for years, for years, if you go back through your records, I have been saying have. if a Garda stood down outside the Tesco branch in Douglas where the yellow boxes are, in a half an hour he'd get two or three hundred summonses for people driving into the junction. A very simple thing. But we don't see them. Now, that's another matter and we're not going to go into it now. But of course, you need to have a Gardaí in particular, speed vans now to a lesser extent, but you need to have Gardaí out there on the street, bottom line. When they see these, but you also have to have the penalties. Now, bringing somebody to court, they get free legal aid, they get a slap in the wrist, and they walk out and they do the same thing again. We have to have a more forceful legal system to deal with these people. Mm -hmm. I'm not making any proposals. Other people should do that. But we need to be harsher with these people. This individual that you quoted to us in your email with 500 convictions off the road for years driving a vehicle obviously no tax no insurance no license like it's it's time that a cell door closes behind that individual is it well, not michael well this is what i'm saying you know we need we need a group of 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 intelligent educated people intelligent people even more so to sit down and come up with some proposals to deal with matters like this because as long as it continues and there is no effective penalty, a penalisation system for these people, they will just continue and they will walk out of the courts having got their free legal aid and laugh. Now, they were very lucky that nobody was killed when this man was driving and maybe and very often those cars these people drive may not be in very good condition. So there is that other factor which could affect, mm-hmm. you know, people mm-hmm. also, defective vehicles. But we, we, we really, you know, again, it comes back to the... the the government and they need to put in place proper legislation to deal with these matters. Okay, Michael, leave it there. Thank you. Speaking of traffic, there is a four car collision near Mahan Point on the westbound side. It's a bumper to bumper situation. Looks like a fender bender, but we can't tell because traffic is very, very heavy. Guards are on scene. Okay, thanks for that, Barry. Four-car collision near Mahan Point on the westbound side of the carriageway. Bumper to bumper there at the moment. Please avoid. If you can at all, 0818969696. Speaking of cars and traffic and roads and other such associated things, I mentioned Car Free Day yesterday, and I mentioned how all the usual people had said it was a great success, that we need more of them, more Car Free Days. First ever one was our first one for years was well, Saturday, and the weather was manky, um, and, but town was deserted, and some business people were saying on the QT that it was a bad idea. At, at, at best, the timing was wrong. At worst, it was a real disastrous day for their tills and their taking. Whereas the usual suspects are saying we need to go to car-free all the time. All the time. It's a discussion that we'll return to. In a few minutes, 0818969696 on Zombie. Jim says, it's a pity the controversy overshadowed the fantastic rendition of Auron Naveen by Louise Lamb in the soccer between the Republic and the North. That was spine-tingling and extremely emotional. It set the standard for how the anthem should be sung. I didn't see it, Jim, or hear it, but I will go and find it 
I am a great fan of Louise Lamb's voice. Gorgeous voice that she has. I'll go and look at that. A lot of people are also talking about, you know, Aaron Ivy, and there's no sign of it at the Rugby World Cup. We used to just do the short version of that and then um, shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> the only thing I'm thinking about, the way Ireland's call and all the other anthems of the world are getting mangled at the Rugby World Cup. Um, I, I, I hate to think what whoever is singing them would make of our rendezvous. So it's probably better that we're not hearing it mangled and danced on at the Rugby World Cup. 0818969696. Kevin has been over to my Twitter or X or Twix. Twix, I like the name Twix actually. Um, to have a look at the at PJ Coogan. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's gas, isn't it, Kevin? They're ripping lumps out of each other over a tune, over a song. <laughs> Get a grip, says Kevin. If all you've got to be offended about in life is a magnificent song, you have no problems at all. Thanks for that, Kev. 0818969696. John, now up front with Katie Hannon. I didn't see it last night. By that time of the night, I've usually had enough of news and current affairs and I either want to read a book or watch something something else like I'm watching actually Virgin River at the moment I've gone into the new season of it which it's it's a great show There's, it's got nothing particularly special going for it as a television show uh, Netflix except magnificent scenery it's set in California but it's filmed in Vancouver if you know it you know it Virgin River love it since season 5 and I was watching that last night rather than up front with Kitty Hannon just for a break do you know yourself but uh, John said I was disappointed in the programme they had no protesters now to be fair they did invite me says John but I had another commitment there were other people they could have asked though I don't know how Paul Murphy was allowed to say what he said which it was that if the guards don't handle it the people will that could lead to a civil war says John there was no one inside a car for hours in recent times feeling they were unable to leave. That happened in his protest. That refers to Joan Burton a number of years ago. Yeah. I didn't see that programme last night. It was to do with the protest of the weekend. And to be honest, I'd had enough of talking about those, uh, listening to the various programmes over the last few days. But thank you, John. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Corks 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Anne wants to give everyone the home that Cork gave her. She's leaving a gift in her will to Cork Simon. Find out more at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM. The, the tweet or the, yeah, the tweet, the post that I put up around the whole zombie thing at the weekend, um, having watched it for maybe close on 24 hours, was, I said, the zombie backlash seems mostly driven 
by people who've never actually listened to the song. And I say, this is my view entirely, Dolores was condemning all mindless violence. Same old theme since 1916 means to me that violence was senseless a hundred years ago. And it's still senseless. And I said, and I do, I consider the song to be a small work of art. And then I just literally acted like the fella who threw a chop into a room full of rabid dogs and lit them all at each other. And they're still at it. And they're not going to let it go. Mike, morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Your thoughts, sir? Well, first of all, we had a most amazing uh, game on Saturday. Wasn't it brilliant? Amazing victory. Wasn't it brilliant? It's been yeah. shadowed, but overshadowed by this controversy, which we have now, which I feel is media-driven, to be honest. Yeah? Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, the, the song really is no bearing on anything, as far as I can see. I know I'm not really that familiar with the song, to be honest, but we've seen it with Selfie Symphony, and we've seen it way back with Fairy Tale of New York at Christmas time. No, that song was written. If you take Fairy Tale New York, that was written. I think that was written in 1982. We were in different yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. we were in different times. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't get it with these all this um, controversy about. Well, with regard to Fairy Tale New York, I'm sure it's only a few weeks now until we start playing it again. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I, I still play the original version, and absolutely. I wouldn't have the slightest changes yeah. made to it. You know, but, absolutely. But with regard, I don't, I don't. I'm not too sure. I agree with you with regard to the media and zombie. Like zombie was started by the forty thousand Irish fans in the stadium. Yeah. Absolutely, but like it was ma- amazing, one of the best sporting occasions yeah. in history, and to be, to be overshadowed now by this, it's just it's all the context completely. I feel in yeah, totally all okay. the context. Okay. I mean, I, you can be sure that uh, assuming and hoping that we beat Scotland uh, on the seventh of October, uh, they'll sing it again. And my goodness, if we get the All Blacks in a quarter final, and and should happen to put another one over on them, it'll be heard back here at home without the without yeah, the power we- of television. Well, you see what happened with Selfie Symphony. <laughs> what happened since, you know? Well, you know, I've, <laughs> you, you've probably heard Brian Warfield on here with me talking yeah. about that yeah. rather than shouting about it as, we, as, as he's yeah. had on other programs. We had yes, a conversation yes, about it. Aware of it. Yes, Do yes, you know? yes. You know? yes. All right, Mike, thank you for your point. And well made. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Mike thinks that the whole zombie thing is a little bit media driven. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mary, your thoughts on it. Morning. Good morning. Gee, it's definitely media driven. The whole, sorry, um, PJ, I don't think anybody can argue that the whole troubles in the North were media driven with people getting entrenched on both sides by what they reported for being said. And mm. you know what I mean? Well, and in I fairness, just, as I agreed with, with, with Tyg well ago, I mean, when I was growing up, I remember my dad going off to serve on the border and I remember listening yeah. to the radio and, you know, at, even at that young age, reading the papers as best I could, I got what was served to me by the radio and the television exactly. and the papers. And, 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 you know, and when my dad came that, down, have... when my dad came home yeah. and brought it, gave it to me in, in, in words that a youngster could understand, remember my dad always said, the people of the North are beautiful, beautiful people. And they were riven yes, by this all... awful conflict. Yes, but we're also seeing it, Jerry girls. We're getting yeah, a perception right, on their right. turn. Like, and that is recent and that is award went, you know, and it is... You know, tar- it's very funny. It's thought-provoking. It's, yeah, very funny, you know, but with very, with very strong truths coming through it. Exactly, and that is reaching out to an audience of younger people. And you know what I mean? Like we, you know, you'd laugh at it, you'd nearly cry at it at other times. And you know, and I, I also said there to um, Fergal, I, I lived in Limerick for a while, and in fairness, I remember seeing a play there a night in November. Yeah. 
but my, and that gave me more insight into the North. And really, I suppose the huge problem in the North and, you know, is just the disparity or the, sorry, the, just the difference between the lived experiences of both sides yeah. of the mm. Community yeah. and you know what I mean, lack of integration. I I, I read after and, she died. I read yeah. Lyra McKee's wonderful book of essays, and as a young person, having grown up after the ceasefire, the insight that jumped off the pages was an education to me. You know, but and you know the other rugby anthem, the fields of Athenry. What's that about? Well, that started in that started actually in 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 Tolman Park. Well, as did Zombie, but that started. Oh, in I Tolman know. Park, but yeah. aside from that, but what is the song about? Oh, I know. About yeah. the English oppression and people stealing and being shipped off to, yeah. you know, the ends of the earth. Yeah. And what's what's the um, the English rugby song? Swing low, sweet Swing chariot. Low, sweet chariot. That's chariot the slave yeah. state. Yes, 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 yes. That's that's about the slave trade, like yes. kind of thing. You know what I mean? Just so, like you know, they're all poli- like they all have their roots in history, and you know, you can say they're great songs, and you can say whatever. You know what I mean? But you know, they're being sung. Who understands the meaning yeah. of "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot"? Yeah, I know. What did you What did you think when you heard it being sung in Paris on Saturday night? I actually was very... I actually... Do you know my first impression? That sounds very tuneful. <laughs> because it's not a particular... That's, that was all I said. My God, right, that actually sounds very well, is what yeah, I was... Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was my only... Yeah. Among, among a crowd of rugby supporters who'd probably been imbibing since about 7 o'clock that exactly. morning. <laughs> that's what I mean. I kind of said, gee, you know what I mean? They're, I they're giving that holly, you know? And that was... Kind of, but I'm just angry at everybody kind of saying that they own the right to say what's been sung or not been yeah. sung or should be said. Yeah, Nobody yeah. owns that. Yeah, you and interpretation, have, interpretation exactly, is open to the you know individual. What I mean? yeah. and, and I think, you know what I mean, we, I suppose, don't, would you go on holiday, like we've all been affected by the troubles, like insofar as, would you go on holidays to a country where there was that level of violence a couple of hundred kilometres away. I you take wouldn't. your point. I you take your I mean? point. We were all, uh, like... Two of, the most, I, I, two of the most interesting holidays I ever spent, Mary, were during the pandemic, where on the two years we couldn't fly. Um, I went to the north, and I spent, yeah. as my dad had advised me years ago, spend time there, meet the people. Talk to the people, yeah. and I met beautiful people and lovely people the, who were so, so thrilled so nice. to see us coming. The the only thing is, PJ, and I went there, and I expected I went there post ceasefire. I was never there before the ceasefire, and I thought everything would be fine. Yeah, it's not. There's a lot of that tension up there all, still. It's not. There's a lot of tension huge. up there still. I was I was very uneasy. I will have to say. Yeah. In the, especially in Belfast. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to Belfast actually in like December. Kind of thing, you know, the, I'm going to Belfast in December. We're going to the Christmas yeah. market up to the family, and we were careful where we picked the hotel. Yeah, and you yeah. know the flags. I found them very intimidating. Yeah, yeah, you it know? can be. Like the thing is, Peter, they, they're giving out about us and singing. They allow them all this marching that's still going on up there. In fairness, what's that all about? Oh, I know. We can't, sing, we can't sing up and they can march down roads and celebrate, you know, 
and, and burning effigies no, of people. No, no, it makes no it, sense. Yes, some I of it. Mean, and and I think sorry. the thing is very, I think the point, the point Tyg is making, and it's a valid point. And I remember talking to Martin McGuinness about this, and indeed in his own time, talking to Ian Paisley about these deep seated feelings. And the message I got, but, particularly from Martin, yeah. until you lived it, you don't get it. But did you see the late, late show on Friday night? Like, what people in the North, and it seems to be a real thing, that. You know, and at the end of that play, like the Northern Ireland Protestant guy kind of said, you know, I am an Irishman is the last line of that play. Yeah. And to all the world, to all the rest of the world, the people in Northern Ireland are Irish. Mm. The English think of them as Irish. You can, you heard your, um, James Nesbitt, was it? I did, yeah, yeah. When, when they go to England, they're regarded as Irish. That's true. That's true. And actually, that was an interesting interview yes. with, with Nesbitt on, on Friday night. Come here. I know that you yes. also wanted to anyway. say something about Car Free Day on Saturday because we've had a lot of responses. Car Free Day. Yeah, go on. I went down to Douglas on um, Saturday morning. I'm living quite close. I went down. I said, what the hell is going on with all the traffic? Okay, it was a damp, miserable Saturday morning, but mm. I said, what the hell is... The place was mobbed. Absolutely John. Just the car free day. Like do they not realise that these suburban shopping centres have founded the death knell of city centres the world over? Mm. Yeah. There's also the market. And here we are trying to trying to bring people into a city that in fairness the heart has been ripped out of Patrick Street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I don't know. I love town. There is nothing like a walk around town. But mm. in fairness, if you were getting the bus in town, you could bring home a few items of clothing or a pair of shoes or something like that. But you cannot shop. You know what I mean? You cannot carry heavy, the plastic bags, like kind of thing, on a day like Saturday, if you had anything with that weighed over a couple of ounces inside in a bag, the bag would have been soaked and burst out onto the street. Yeah, for bags, yeah. You know what I mean? They're just, in fairness, you know, make or they, you have to accommodate people. The park and ride is a great idea. That is kind of relish. You know what I mean? Yeah. That works. We, we People use it all the time. They'd like, use it more, more if it was there more, Mary. If that's what I mean. We were, we were promised kind of four of them nearly 50 years block. ago. Exactly. You know, those kind of initiatives work. We've seen people do use that service, people working in the city. We, you know, the car parking, like really, you know, people don't, like people that bring in, if you're prepared to drop a tenner inside in Roche's stores to go, or inside, in, I still call it Roche's stores, inside in the car parking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or stores, whatever right? to, yeah. If you're prepared, you know, you drop 10 euro in there to walk around town. Yes, you bring your car and you've paid 10 euro. You can go down to Mahon Point, you can go to Douglas Village, you can go to Douglas Court for nothing. True, yeah. That, Why, you know what I mean? It, like, town really, there's lovely, there's lovely coffee shops, restaurants. It's a very hard place to shop, mm. but there is nothing like it. Well, there is well, you, nothing well, you, like well, you know the way I think about town. it, Mary, <laughs> I have the same feelings as you. I, I love a walk around town, but it's not the walk that it was 20 years ago. But the one thing about it no. is... You don't, like you live near Douglas, I live in Douglas, 
between Douglas, Wilton and Mahon Point and the, I don't need to go to town very frequently but I need town no. I, they, but I want them to make me want to go I do too I there is nothing I like more if all the shops that I if I could access town easily had it had the shops I want that I felt safe walking the streets there at yes, different that times too. That too. It, it's just Lovely. I do not want to be, you know, and I don't like kind of thing, the idea of that every place is pubs spilling over onto the pavements that people should be walking on. That's true, too. Yeah, or the outdoor dining. I mean, I don't like all these like kind of thing. And not just the the outdoor drinking, really, in fairness. You know what I mean? That's in front of, you know, the likes of the chateau or, you know what I mean? Like those wide streets are for people to enjoy walk on yeah. shop on you know what I mean that kind of thing they well, we, see, we can see the way McCorton Street is developing below us here and in one sense it'll be beautiful it'll be fantastic on the other sense people are complaining about it big time uh, some of the businesses included but we'll see how it goes Mary thank you good conversation on two subjects 0818 it was the crowd started it or whether it was the PA system in Stade de France started it. Let's have one other aged to the little piece that I have. This, by the way, was tweeted by Donald Lenehan the other night from the commentary box. He was completely blown away by it. You hear it behind them. Many it comes. Yeah. Not too sure. It was either being played at a low level and they picked it up and went with it, or it was a very, very perceptive DJ equipped with the right equipment to bring it in at the exact right point. I don't know which. I I probably need to talk to someone who's actually in the stadium. I'd ring Donald myself. We're old pals, but unfortunately he's contracted to much bigger organisations than me. Uh, so we can't talk to me about it. 0818 96 96 96. But I'll come back to Zombie. We'll see if anyone was in the stadium on Saturday night at the match. Did the crowd start it or did the public address system start it? Or what happened? Or does it actually even matter? But uh, car free Saturday. As we said yesterday, the, the, the usual people who would welcome a thing like this were welcoming it. And the usual people who would want more of a thing like this we're wanting more of a thing like this. Like, for example, Oliver Moran, the Greens councillor, Oliver Moran, reckons we should have car-free all the time. And he's entitled to feel that way, as is anybody else who does. Stephen, you popped in and you'd be a regular visitor to town on a Saturday. Did it work? Good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. Well, when I got to town about three o'clock on Saturday, my first reaction was, I thought it was supposed to be car-free day and not people-free day. Yeah. There was no one or there was nobody around. I mean, I'm normally in town on Saturday, it'd be sort of between three and five o'clock. Mm. And genuinely on Saturday, I reckon there was about a third of the normal people, even allowing for a wet Saturday. I was going to say that. The weather was manky. It, it was, but it wasn't overly manky, as you say. But, uh, you know, I, 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 like, there, there just weren't people around. I, I go to the pen, I go to the post office to collect my pension. Normally, there's six, eight, ten, twelve people in front of me when I hit hit it around quarter past half past three. Yeah. There were two. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and what would you normally do on your wander around town? Um, I'd wander into one or two pubs, and I'd take a wander around the shops to um, just amble around, basically. Yeah. And um, there's normally I, I I love wandering up Oliver Trunkard Street, and yeah. there's normally a good even on a even on wet Saturdays. There's a bit of a buzz around Oliver Plunkett Street. There was there was no one around. I, 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 if I was a trader in the middle of town on Saturday, I'd been absolutely livid. Would, would you take a stroll through the market on your weekly trip to town? Um, the market, no, strangely enough, is something I only hit occasionally, okay. and sa- Saturday wasn't one of them. Okay. But okay. as I said, uh, I, know, I know the market traders in the English market are listening to me. Um, what was it like Saturday afternoon? Interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah, well, as I say, no, in the market, I don't know, because I wasn't up that way on Saturday. But, okay. uh, but, but, uh, but, but no, 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 Patrick Street was like a deserted village. Yeah. There were dozens of people around as opposed to hundreds. Yeah, and, and uh-huh. you'd be someone and, who visits the, the city every and, Saturday. And, yeah, well, I'd be sort of 46, 48, or 52 Saturdays, I guess. I'd say, go to the GPO to collect my pension and yeah. just amble around and taking the atmosphere and there was no atmosphere to be taken in on Saturday. All right, Stephen, thank you. 0818969696. If there are any of the English market traders, a Gierstacht this morning, I'd uh, love to hear from you. Um, was it busy? Was it quiet? Compare it to any other Saturday of the year. John, you were in, were you? I was indeed, Fuja, and um, I know the day was bad, it was a very rainy day. But uh, the best way I can describe it as this carefree day is, even leaving aside the weather, was there was a deadness in the air. You could almost feel the stillness and the deadness of the street. The street was dead. You would, For the first time, I actually missed the sound of the traffic. Yeah. And I could see people like I mean, Obviously, they were struggling with the weather. But you see, what's missing here, I and mean, a lot of business people have alluded to, and they've said it to me, one or two of them, that the fact is that there's a huge part of the daily commercial uh, trading as regards the drop-off PJ and the pick-up. And especially now with the mobile phones, like the wife can be dropped off for the girlfriend or the husband can be dropped off. And then you can get a phone call. Are you finished shopping? I am. Where are you now? I'm outside Mount Thomas and Patrick City. I'm outside Pennies or whatever. The car comes along. You're holding up nobody. The bags go into the back seat, into the passenger seat, and off you go. So the drop-off and the pick-up, and you multiply that. How many times during the day? That's a huge part mm. of the trade. Mm. 
Mm. The other thing is, John, with regard to the buses, I mean, I, as I've said before, I, I must be the luckiest man in Cork in terms of the amount of options I have to get to town by bus in the course of any particular day, which is mm-hmm. great. But I'm not going to come in and do my big shop and cart no. it home on the bus. You're not, you see. And as I said, look, there's a huge part of the trading. There's a guard to drop off, like the, the, the person is dropped off and they're picked up later and you're discommoding nobody. But if you multiply that by how many times in one day alone, I don't mind the week, Peter, that's a huge part of the commercial side of the trading for mm. traders in Cork City, right? And now, look, the, the comeback is, John, and you'll be told by, you know, uh, those who support Car Free that it is the way the world is going. And indeed, you can go to parts of Europe, major cities across Europe, and you'll find that city centre areas are get, becoming increasingly car-free, served only by public transport and walking and cycling. So it is the way the world is going, John. You're right, but you see a lot of the places like even Dublin, there, you have the Lewis and everything there. I mean, we haven't got that in the possibly the landscape of Cork and the streetscape uh, doesn't lend itself to that kind of a system. Right. No, I'm actually as a gas public service. I'm actually thinking of selling my house, and maybe you know the city inside of my page. You might be able to help me out here. Go on. There, there, there's a new area. No, I don't know where it is. Right, can me, but it's a fantastic place to live. It is the best bus service I'd say in the whole of Ireland. And every time I'm in town, I see bus while I'm waiting for my bus. I can see numerous buses every two or three Go minutes. On. This Go. Place. Go on. And up in the front of the bus is called Outer Service. <laughs> so I want to know where Outer Service is. I want to live there. There's a bus there's a bus there every two minutes. <laughs> John, you're a mess and a half, but you make a good point. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six. 96. He's also not wrong. He really isn't wrong. You would see a lot of buses going around with the old out-of-service badge up on them. The zombie song was spine-tingling. I saw people singing it with tears in their eyes at the match. It brought people together in a memorable sporting moment. That clip of the Irish singing that's been shared all over the world... It's been shared by rugby enthusiasts with envy. And actually, I love that point. I love that point because it has been. That clip has gone on the rugby social media world. And people are looking at it and thinking, wow, wowzers. That's what the Irish do when their team wins a match. They produce that extraordinary sound, like a choir of 40,000. You know, it's a bit like the Welsh doing their anthem. They produce this sound when they're... T- that's, actually, that's actually a fantastic point. Uh, zombie was not started by the stadium fans. It was prompted from the stadium PA first as they played it. Then the crowd picked it up and the stadium PA sound was muted for a period. Okay, is that then where Donald picked up this sound for his tweet, was it? So was it muted at this point? It sounds to me like there's someone who was in the stadium was on the phone there now. So it had been muted after starting and then brought back in. I have you. I have you, I have you. Thank you. Ireland's call is much more provocative than zombie, says Finn. Maybe they should play Silent Night for the next game. 
Can we miss her? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. It seems the stadium PA did play it first. I'll come back to it. It plays on before us. But to the English market, Margot from the, the Rowdy Foodie. You had a good day Saturday. She's gone, lads. She had a good day Saturday. And we'll try and get her back. She said the takings are actually up. So we'll come back to her there. She was on four guys, but she's gone. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, Paul says, Paul, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Paul says, the stadium played it first because I was there singing it. <laughs> uh, I was watching the match on TV and I heard Zombie on the PA first. Then the crowd joined in. Then the PA dropped out and that's when Donal seems to have started filming this particular clip. I have you now. I have you now. And then the PA came back on as the crowd grew in volume, which is around now. Now, even listening to it, no way would any DJ get the timing of that spot on. Well, I would beg to differ with you there. I know a fair few fellas out there who probably would be able to get it spot on. With the way digital technology is now, it's actually not rocket science to get it spot on. But I, I do I do take your point. Right, back to the English market. Margot, car-free day. You had a good day at the Roti Foodie. Morning. Um, good morning, PJ. Lovely to speak to you. Thank and you for calling me. Um, well, I'm going to be honest now. First of all, I didn't even know it was a car-free day because we were so busy the night before we clutching out the English market. Sure. But yes, the takings were up on Saturday. Um, look, I, I, I have to say, I'm not completely uh, for a car free day, free day at the city centre. But I have to say, look, we have to stop blaming Cork City Council. You know, there is, like, in every city in the world, you have to pay for parking. And I think, you know, the people have to start voting with their feet and you have to stop thinking about the small businesses in the city if you want them to survive. Yeah. Because life would be very boring if everything was left to the big boys. If you had no small cafes to go to, if you had no small little stalls to go to like me, we're just all about the banter. And I think if you can afford it, you should spread it around. And, you know, I think we need more set-down areas maybe in the city centre for people to run in, get their shopping at the English market or any other small shops that are around the city, support the small family businesses. So I think we have to stop blaming, you know, Cork City Council for, you know, the parking issues. Of course, I would love free parking. Yeah. But I think we have to think about it, you know, spread it around if you can. Think about the small family business. Think about our beautiful city. Think about the Grand Parade. Do you want it to survive? And if you do, come in here and support us. Yeah, yeah. I was asking one or two of my callers earlier on, Margot, if they'd gone into the market. Unfortunately, uh, no one has contacted me to say whether they were in there or not, but I know it would be normally really busy on a Saturday anyway. Uh, yes, we would be busy on a Saturday. And as I say, we had culture night Friday night at the English market. It's the first time since 2019. Yeah. And we brought the house down. So, you know, the English market is very important to the city centre. It's a fabric of the city centre. Of course, I would love to have free parking. Shopping is changing. People are changing the way they shop. We need to get young people in living in the city centre. Mm. We need more incentives for them to come into the oh, city well, centre. That, that, that's a whole conversation in itself, Margaret, when you look. But I think we just stop blaming Cork City Council. Okay. Look, of course we'd love free parking. 
vote with your with your feet. Get into the market. Keep our cities alive. And if you can, spread it around. You know, that's all I have to say, really. Well, I, th- I think it's a fantastic point that come into, if you want your city to survive, come into it, shop in it, visit it, walk around it. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's a, fanta- that's a, 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 fab- a fabulous point. Margot, thank you. Uh, and Culture Night was thronged in town. It was great to see. Actually, our El Marie and Connor were out around town on Friday night putting up some videos. And our buzz in town was fantastic, which was great to see. Great to see it. Cheers, Margot. 0818 96 96 96 to uh, line three. Kevin. Morning, PJ. How are you keeping? How are you? I'm good, thanks. I know, listen, I was a fair giggle earlier on looking through your Twitter feed. That was hilarious. (laughs) The amount of things people get outraged about these days. But, gas. I would honestly say half of them never even listened to the song. Do you know what I mean? I was too busy, excited about the result, exactly. the performance, exactly. and I was swept away by that to be worried about the song life. But look, exactly. whatever it floats their boat. Anyone who's ever been in a stadium when an anthem starts or a song that everyone knows starts, the whole stadium erupts and they just go with us. You don't have to deep it. You don't have to oversink something. It is. Oh, what but it is. Kevin, don't you know we do? Don't you know we have to have our own branch now of overthinkers <laughs> anonymous in every corner of Ireland. I'll tell you what, whenever they got blue ticks on Twitter, it's the worst thing in the world with us because they monetize the whole damn thing. <sighs> anyway, That's another conversation. <laughs> car-free day, sir. You, were you in? Car-free. It, I wasn't in town, but the thing is, I wouldn't be drawn to go to Cork City anyway. Purely and simply, Limerick is about the same distance for me, and I prefer to drive around or to walk in around Limerick City than I do Cork City. Careful now. Why? No, it, it, it's, it's just easy, an easier city to get around. Right. And, you know, you can drop the car, you can walk around, it's all pretty much on a level, everything's close to you. And the other thing as well, I was in England last weekend for a wedding, and we went, I went down to the city centre, and public transport into town is great. They've also brought in this uh, ULES that they have, yeah. they, you know, the thing in London, they brought it in Bristol as well. Oh, have they? Yeah, and it's £12 a day to drive into the city, depending on the car you have. Holy moly. So, look, because the public transport is there, people, if you have to go into town, they will get on the bus and get in and go into town. But what you have in the city centre is shopping centres that are geared for people to stay in town. Things like, um, there's a place called Cabot Circus that was built in... All right, do you remember the Only Fools and Horses episode, the Batman and Robin one? I do, yeah. Do you remember the city centre there? Yeah. That there was filmed in, this, in Broadbeach Shopping Centre in Bristol. <laughs> now that shopping centre is all pedestrianised and it is literally... Um, the place called Cabot Circus. They took them about five years to build it. But inside that, you've got your retail bits, but mainly you've got entertainment, you've got cinemas, you've got bars, restaurants, everything and anything. And people will go there just to spend time there. Because it's, it's, you could, there's no traffic around. You can take your kids and you're not worrying about getting more down left, right and centre. And the sooner people, you know, the sooner... Cost, but is there good public this, transport this to get you there? Well, it's a combination of everything. You need the transport to get you there. You need it to be on time, regular, and cheap. And the other side of it, then, you need a reason to go there and stay there. Yeah. You can't, like you said, you can't go and do your shopping. You're not going to be hauling bags back with you. Every, there's a reason everybody knows that DPD driver by name. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, it, it, it's like the time is moving on where a lot of people are ordering online and they don't need to be in city centres doing shopping. But they want to be in city centre, spending time, spending money, doing leisure stuff. Mm. I did hear a fantastic scheme from, I think it might be Leicester, a few years ago, where they started introducing this thing in the supermarkets and where people might go doing their shopping, that you do your shopping 
and for an extra, I think, £2.50, your shopping would be taken away, boxed, and brought into a van out to the park and ride centre or out to the yeah. bus station, and then you could collect your shopping into park and ride. Yeah, that was fairly common. Uh, even that, that was going on years ago, even when I was living in England. Uh, and, that, and that's going back, what, 13, 14 that years ago? That's Yeah, so, and it, but you go back to what I think one of the very first conversations I ever had with you was about the park and rides. And here we are, 10 years on, and we're no better, we're no better off for it than enough. Kevin, I mean, we were promised four park and rides yeah. nearly 40 years ago. But the thing is now, they ha- they've incorporated more of the county into the city, so there's no reason why they shouldn't be looking to, to do this again. They want the green agenda. They want to publicise and, and promote this. But to do that, you have to, be, you have to give people a reason to do it. You can't use all the stick in things like ULES and taxing people coming into towns and what have you. You have to give them a reason to want to get out of the car. And if you provide that... I'm certain people will because the last thing people want to be doing is tail, you know, tail-to-tail driving in the centre of town looking at roadworks. Can I go left? Can I go right? Where can I park today? This, that, you know. I want to get in the bus. I want to get to where I need to go. I want to relax. That's mm. my day off. I don't need the stress of driving. Yeah. You know? Come here to me while I have you there. Are yeah. you voting in Cork North Central next time or where are you voting? No, uh, Cork North West. Because <laughs> Cork North Central now is nearly out to you at this stage. Now, as far as I know, I'm in Cork Northwest until someone tells me different. Oh, I mean, right. fairness, if, if they relocate Fremont into Cork North Central, God help. Well, do you know what? I'll have a very quiet election because no one's coming that far now. Ain't that the truth? Kevin, thank you. 0818969696. Carefree day. I wasn't in. I wasn't in. I spent the weekend uh, watching rugby um, and, and actually reading, reading Tony Houlihan's book and a few other things like that. But some people saying that it was disaster. Margot, the rosy foodie, say it was a very busy day and her takings were actually up. And Kevin making the point that if we want to do the car free, like many, many more cities around the world, we've got to make people want to come in. So the council, if they want us to come in, they've got to make us want us want to come in, which is a strong point. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There's now an argument as to when zombie started, but I think we can now take it for sure. It was started on the PA at the end of the match, and then Donald started filming. Donald Lenahan started filming at the point where the crowd had begun to sing it for themselves. The PA was faded out, and then at the appropriate time, it was faded back in. PJ, the Irish fans are loved in mainland Europe. The reason is they're always fun and they sing whether they win or lose. In Germany, they talk about it for days. And in France, too. Nobody cares what we're singing. It's the singing that counts. And that's from Angeline. Thank you. Zombie is a modern-day Fields of Athen Rye, telling the story of a period in our history, says... Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about 
work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This message. And Paul, I'd love to talk to you, Paul, about the buzz that was there. Paul says, and I was in the stadium. The stadium played it first because I was there singing it. 0818. 96, 96, 96. Kevin says, I heard Kevin saying public transport is great. Our lodger stood outside UCC from 5 till 6 yesterday. Three number 220 buses passed her saying they were full. They weren't. She was frozen with the cold and they just whizzed by, says Katie. Sorry to hear that, Katie. On car-free day, it was a nightmare, PJ, trying to get from the north side to the south side. Traffic on the quays was going nowhere. Shame on the Green Party. They're destroying the city centre. Oh, I see what you mean. If you headed towards town to cross from north to south, you found yourself down the quays, stuck in an endless traffic jam. Uh, Mary, this is a good... Now, I thought, Mary, and we were fairly sure of this on Friday, that the blue badge would get you access to the city centre. I thought that was the case. Mary says there was no access to the city centre for disabled people, like there was no, like there was for taxis or for buses. It's an absolute disgrace. Because of my disability, I can't even get on or off a bus. My paper bags of shopping were bursting in the, in the rain. I can't afford to pay 89 quid for a private car park. And I had to get my husband to collect me while I was standing out in the rain. But that was supposed to be sorted. Um, if you've blue badge, blue badge cars were supposed to be exempt from the car ban on Saturday afternoon. Wonder what went wrong there. Or Mary, do you have a blue badge? Joe, something completely forgot to tell you as we got so busy this morning between Carfree Day and Zombie. I completely forgot to tell you something really important. It's 90 days to Christmas. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Big Drive Home. With Izzy Showbizzy. It's so on Cork's 96 FM. Join me weekdays from 4pm to hear more kids stealing their mom's phone for requests. Hi, Izzy. This is Erin. <laughs> Even if you don't know my name yet, it's cool. I'm still new here. Hi, so Izzy Bosch. Hi, all busy. Hi, Izzy. So busy. And there'll be plenty more chances for you to win amazing prizes. We would love to win the tickets to the fire show. Please. Join me weekdays from 4pm. The Big Drive Home. You can drive me home. With Izzy Showbizzy. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. Carfree Day and Blue Badges. Anthony, were, were Blue Badge holders exempt? Good morning. 
No, there were not Neil there, because uh, I was up in Down Patrick Street and Norman Street there. It, that was down to the people that were manning the, the barriers, as we say there, on the end of the street. So could you get in with a blue badge, you could? Yes, you could, because I uh, pointed it out to one or two of the fellas that were on, on the barriers there. I said, look, I'm a blue badge holder. I said, I'm exempt. Yeah. I, can, I can drive in and out. Uh, and, and did they know? One or two of them didn't. Right. I said blue badge holders can go in and out uh, free mm. of as, as many times as they want. Because are, you are you allowed up and down Patrick Street during the Panaban? Are you with a blue badge or are you? Uh, that no, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I do go up and down as like. <laughs> doesn't everybody? Doesn't seem yeah. to work. But Saturday... Did you? The blue badge holders were allowed to go through the city centre. Right, but some of the people didn't on the barriers. You're saying didn't seem to know. Yes, they did. They, they, they didn't know. I see. I see. Because I went, I went down by the bride was there as well, and your man wouldn't let me down. And I turned around and said, "Look, I'm a blue badge holder." I pointed at it twice, mm. and he goes, "Oh, right, 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 no matter," and left me through. I see. I see. I suppose you, you know? do have to show it to them too, like that in the story. Yeah, exactly. Some yeah. people, I know you're probably not one of them, Anthony, but I remember someone, someone ringing me here years ago, uh, giving out stink about her blue badge not being noticed, and I said, "Yeah, okay, I have a blue badge holder, and I'm in time." I said, "You are fair play to you," and and it didn't even, I, I, I no way was he listening to me. I told him the blue badge. I said, "Where was your blue badge?" So I had my handbag. I said, "No, yeah, that's the best place for us." <laughs> I, I, I often pulled a couple of people never parked a wheelchair there and I said you need a blue tight for parking there yeah I have it at home <laughs> yeah I said you need it in the car not at the house yeah. come here actually bust a myth for me or confirm it if it's true is it true Anthony that even if the blue badge spaces are all occupied if you jump into a regular parking space and put up the badge you don't have to um, do a disc you do oh you do you do. You ha- you have to have a disc. It's not a free parking thing. It's just those d- uh, immediate spaces for wheelchair uh, uh, with disabilities and what have you. Yeah, yeah. Or, or anyone that holds a blue badge can park in those. But if you park in an ordinary space, you need a disc. Even with the blue badge. Thanks for clarifying that because I wasn't sure. Thank you, Anthony. 0818 96 96 96. I do remember that years. Oh, it's years and years ago now. Blue badges were a fairly new thing. And this woman, God bless her, she's given out yards and she's given it holly like about how awful it was with her blue badge. She was entitled to nothing and all the trouble she had to go through to get it. And says, hey, Were you displaying it? It was in my handbag, like. I go, Okay, fine, fine. Now, Trisha, Hub, Hubby was at the match. So, what happened? How are you? Hello? Oh, she's gone. She's gone. We'll try and get her back there, lads, if we can. 0818 96 96 96. It doubt now does appear that the the um, the thing was played on the PA then, and then it was taken up by the crowd and then faded out on the PA, on the PA until the crowd decided to give it holly. Uh, going right back to Tyg Hickey, where this conversation started at five past nine, and Tyg was making the point that maybe it wasn't the best choice of song, and it was might be written from a southerner's point of view, and maybe not taking into account the real lived experience of people in the north, 
which is a fair point. It's a fair criticism. Dolores was from, from Limerick. She wrote it from a point of view of how we perceive the North down here, and that's a very fair point. Brendan says, re Kiki. There's no place, no such place as the South. It's the Republic of Ireland. Okay. Thanks, Brendan. 0818969696. Right, Tricia, we got you. Was the hubby Sorry. there? He was? Yeah, he was there. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he got the train Saturday morning and back Sunday night. But over on the Euro on the Euro train, yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Okay. Okay. And yeah. How, so it, so, how did that go for him? Oh, fabulous! You know, King's Cross straight to Gardenore and hop on the metro then for wherever you need to go. Perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. But he, I was saying to him about all the kerfuffle about the song. Yeah. And he said it just came on, and everyone just started singing along. Of course they did. Yeah. You know. There was there was a South African woman next to him. I keep hearing about this South African woman. I need to find more about her. But um, he said she was singing along. It was a song. Yeah. You know? Well, At it was a worldwide day, hit, you know. You know, and Ireland had just won. I mean, they got battered, both sides battering each other. They did it. You know, whatever else happens after this, they did that game. Yeah. Just be, you know, cheer, cheer it on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but it was, it, isn't that something that you just said there, Trish? That's so fantastic, and it's the same about the, it's the same with the GEA. To be, to be fair, but you know the the the, the bitterest rivalries in, in in rugby, you know Ireland and the South African, you know the world number one against the defending world champions, and there's your husband standing next to South African fans, laughing, yeah. joking, and enjoying the party. Isn't exactly, that brilliant? Exactly, and it's the same. Wherever you go in any of the Six Nations or anything like that, you're next to opposing team. You can do it in football. No, you could but... not. No, you <laughs> no, no, no. I no, remember no, no. I was at the, the Miracle Match down in, in Musgrave Park all those years, or not Musgrave Park, in Tolman Park all those years ago, the famous Munster-Gloucester match. Yeah. And there was Munster and Gloucester fans just hugging each other at full time after a fantastic sporting occasion. Because it's... Um, what do they say? It's um, it's a thug's game played by intelligent people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I get the quote for you. They say rugby is a thug's game played by gentlemen, whereas football is a gentleman's a game, played, game by played by thugs. <laughs> yeah, or words to that effect. Uh, words yeah. to that effect. It's so true, and it's so true. But he said it was great. The only thing, half time, no beer. Oh, really? Yeah. Say he's going to the Scotland game, so he knows to stock up. Yeah, well, before half time. I, I, I suppose if they're going to get them back, seventy or eighty thousand people back into their seats after it's only about a ten minute break. You, you, yeah, and, and it's so it, important that the television coverage is wine or anything. But you know, in a rugby game, you've been to these big grounds. There's always someone needing a wee in the game. You know, you've always got to get off and move <laughs> at, at some point. You know, men and beer. Come on. <laughs> it's true. It's. I was at Ireland versus Wales in the Aviva with my daughter a couple of years back now. And the minute we sat down, she goes, all oh. right, Dad, bar is there. And toilet. she'd been there before but in, in this particular part of the stadium. She said, because one of her mates works there, she said, bar is there, Dad, toilet is there. 
<laughs> you can. We're going next February. So you, this is the only ground he hasn't been to in the Six Nations. So we're going next February. So you can draw me a map <laughs> where right. where the loos are because he'll def- definitely need them. But you know, it was a brilliant win. Yeah. It was you know, enjoy it. And I mean, if you see some of the social media pictures of all the teams that are off this week, they're out with their families yeah. doing Euro Disney. They're having date nights. They're not worried about zombie. Ain't that the truth? You know? Ain't that the truth? Enjoy it. Enjoy Enjoy, it. Enjoy the moment and hopefully there'll be more of them. Tricia, thanks. 0818 96 96 96. And it's true. Look, we won nothing. We've won nothing. It was a pool game. It's a game that... And they were both saying... Did you notice that? They were both saying on Saturday night we could meet again. And we could. We could meet again. We might have to play them fellas again, you know. uh, If we're to bring home... Or have a hope of bringing home the Webb Ellis trophy. Ah, that fills me with fear even thinking about it. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, by the way, I did see something also, and it was very nasty and very cruel. Um, they were saying, well, when Ireland are going out in the quarterfinal, all this thing will blow aside. Do you know what? We're frightened enough about the prospect of a quarterfinal without that nonsense. Yes, we have to beat Scotland to make 100% sure. Well, no, I think we're true. Anyway, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Scotland's an important game. We've got to go out there and perform against Scotland. Then probably the All Blacks in the quarterfinal. Trust me when I tell you, we rugby fans are frightened enough about that prospect of a quarterfinal. A quarterfinal against the flipping Dolphin B team would worry us, given our previous record at quarterfinal level in the World Cup. But, but there you go, I'm getting sidetracked. George, you put a big long... Post together on Facebook about Car Free Day, George Patterson. You live in the city centre, and your verdict is it didn't work. Good morning. I don't think it works. No. Good morning. Good Hiya. morning. Uh, yes, uh, I wrote that about five o'clock this morning. Being sixty-three, that's the time I'm up nowadays. Good man. Uh, and at my best. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just, I was there. I, I was, I was there. I, well, we had the carnival a couple of weeks before, and we closed North Main Street. Yeah. And um, and that was you know that and that was a lovely occasion, yeah, but um, but this one, the thing is, we've already we've already had the discussion um, initially when they were closing, uh, the closing uh, Patrick Street from when was it from uh, three till six. Yeah, they wanted to do that all day every day, uh, but we. Um, uh, but we stood up as being the because we're the uh, community in the area, uh, because uh, the traffic all goes down Grattan Street if it yes. doesn't go, if it's not going down there, and uh, we know it's for the buses. We know it's to keep the buses on time. But um, over the weekend, because on that Saturday, because of the amount of traffic that was going down Grattan Street, down Washington Street, and all around the peripherals. Um, the buses were arriving in packs. I don't care. I, I was there. I don't care people if people are saying, like, oh, yes, well, the buses were on time. They might have been on time, but the um, one of the, some of them weren't. And then the ones that come up behind them, which were the, which were the, going on the same route, um, they would, like, be bumpered up behind the bus. And then that bus would then go as quick as it could because um, it was late in the first place. Mm. And then the other one that wants to keep to its timing then goes. So it's not like they wait. They both go off together. Yeah. So I, I know that it's all for the buses. Um, I'm not a great busser myself. I, I, I like to have the... I like to have the... Well, what's fast becoming a privilege. 
I like to have the privilege to be able to travel alone in the car mm. with, with, the, um, uh, with the new radiator cover that I've just bought and take the dog with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and will they wait outside Argos? I, I, Argos is gone, I know. Will they wait outside JISC for me while I go in and look after the dog in the car, in the bus, yeah. while I pop in and buy that thing and put it in the back of the car and... Yeah, you you, you, you know, made the point as well. You're here now 23 years, George, and when you were leaving the UK, this was starting over there, and some I've of the cities are a yeah. shell of what they used to be. They are. Even London. Even London is... Uh, you go down... Um, uh, if you go down um, Oxford Street, mm. uh, it's just buses. It is just... They might, they're buses in line. They might as well be a tube train uh, as they go down there. And, uh, and down the side, of course, it's all the, uh, it's all the, uh, the trinket salesmen. Really? You know, they're selling, they're selling um, souvenirs. And then, of course, you've got the vapes. Um, you know, the vapes. Yeah, Oxford Street used to be a great place. place to go to shop and all the big stores had it, outlets there. Yes, it Is did. it anymore? Um, some, of the, some of the big shops are still there. The ones that can afford the rates that have the, that have the background and the history and the, and the volume of wealth that's required in order to stay there, um, and of course still has the credibility uh, that they are still there. Uh, but um, some of the other the bigger ones, like we've lost um, Debenhams, mm. like Debenhams is sitting derelict at the moment. Um, there's there's big, big, big um, buildings that are doing the same. John Lewis in is London, there, isn't it? Uh, uh, John Lewis, uh, I think. But I think John Lewis is. Um, has become like um, a Debenhams yeah. was, uh, whereas it's like it's, it's broken up into other little bits and pieces. Yeah. And you're, you're afraid that that'll happen here, and already you say it in your post, like, and it's funny, vape shops and phone shops seem to yeah. be the only two things thriving at the moment. And sports yeah, shops, how many more, like, how many more sports shops does a city need? As, as they will put in as many as um, there are shops available. And whenever they become available, um, the, these little phone shops, they say, I mean, I've talked to some of the people in the town, in the city, uh, some of the traders, and they say, like, George, I noticed that that shop is in North Main Street isn't... Now, they've got one of these, they've got one of these shops down there already. And they say, like, I've noticed that that shop isn't going. Do you know who I contact? Because I was thinking of putting another shop like this there. So, you know, they're, they're very... Um, Mm. The these new tenants, they're very diligent. They're very sort of, uh, they're very on top of those things. They, they're good hard workers, and they're putting all these little these little shop outlets in all over the place. I saw it. You see, the thing is, also you've got we have um, satellite um, superstores now, don't we? Yeah. You know where people drive out to these places. have got the big car parks, and they go in there. That's that's one thing that kills a city centre a little bit. But then, but what should happen with the city centre is that it should then um, it should become unique in its own mm. in own fashion. They should be looking you know, at looking at ways to make us want to go there and sports exactly. sports shops, vape shops, phone shops. They don't necessarily mm. contribute to that. George, I think they you don't. want to take up a, a petition, do you? I was, uh, that's what I was thinking of doing in the under the. Um, uh, under the guise of um, the middle parish being a government representative body, um, to, to to go out there, I was going to get the volunteers and go out there and just like and just say, look, you know, this this is the this is what they want to do. Um, this is what it does to us, the community, as in like the the traffic that was going down Grattan Street um, during that shutdown was just 
horrific. And that's never going to change unless they do something like put a bypass in. Mm. Uh, but I can't see anywhere. I can't see any route that they can take to do that that would make it like a a short bypass, apart from using the actual link itself. Mm. Uh, so, um, so yes, I, I, for, I'd like to do quite a large as possible um, petition to uh, find out exactly what people want to do. So I'm, I'm going to venture into uh, doing that over the next mm. couple of weeks. Um, I don't think I don't think it works. I do see. I have seen it before where they pedestrianised uh, Leicester and uh, and what they've done in London and um, and uh, where else? And Ipswich and mm. Bury St Edmunds. You know, I've seen them. Um, I've seen them pedestrianise that, and so the buses are on time. But the buses are still not on time, mm. and and the place has just become. An empty shell, as per you know, or, or sorry, beyond what they should be. I was in Southampton a couple of years ago, a brief visit as well, and there are areas that now where it's just for buses, and it's vape shops, phone shops, it, charity shops. I know, I know, and it's a shame, and I don't know why. Uh, I mean, like as I said, twenty-three years ago when I moved over here, uh, uh, Cork, it was it was a thriving business. Um, it was people used to park all the way around, everywhere, and they were able to drop off their, they would drop off their grandparents to go and have a cup of tea, they were able to pick up, pick up things, they were able to pull over and wait without any real problem. We used to park around by, um, when I first moved here, of course you could park, or you couldn't park, but everyone used to park all the way down the street, right the way around the corner from Grand Parade as Grand Parade turns onto uh, Patrick Street. Mm. Um, you just park all the way along there, and you could get parking tickets. Yeah, yeah, but you could also get away with it for a little while and go and get what it was you wanted. Yeah, and I often did, and uh, I'm sure you did too. But environmentally, George, just come back to that for environmentally, are yeah. we not in a better place if we have fewer cars and less traffic? But there's, but most of the cars are, um, are meant to be turning to electric in any case. So that that there's a reduction if you want to look at that insofar as the city centre is concerned. Um, if you want to like stay with the petrol and diesel thing and say like you know less carbon is better. Uh, the the problem is that all that carbon is now being put down Grattan Street, uh, is being put down the Keys, and point. it's being put down. Um, Washington Street, and so it's, and it's all being confined because you're not, you're also, not solving the problem. You're, you're just no, you're just moving yeah. it to another part of town. George, good conversation as always. Thank you, and let me know how that petition goes. Uh, George Patterson, some breaking news on the weather front. Uh, warnings have now been updated with regard to Storm Agnes. We have an orange rainfall warning for tomorrow for Cork and for Kerry. Forty millimeters. That's four centimetres. That's nearly two inches of water uh, could, fa- could fall in the southwest. And that is from Carla Weather. So if Alan is concerned, we all need to be. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello.
Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Interesting discussion across the various platforms now on Car Free Day. George, who lives in the city centre, made that point at the end of the last hour. Look, you might have a better environment in Patrick Street and Grand Parade and all those places because of Car Free Day. But you're just going to mess up the atmosphere and the environment in another part of town because everybody drives there to avoid the city centre. It's a take. There are others. But also, we're having a bit of fun with this one. For sure. Paul. You're on the radio. Good morning to you. What do you want to say about that? I just... You know, I just, it all to come off this end to Fergal there. Everybody is out today to take the good out of everyone. Nobody can celebrate anything without saying, oh, you can't do that, you can't do this, this is wrong, that's wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. What's happened, it happened. I'm 52 years of age. Never before did I know that a zombie was associated with what happened up the north, right? You did I enjoy music for me. No. I must okay. have been living under a rock. I just enjoy the music for what it is, right? Sure. Music is music. Music is there to be enjoyed and celebrated with. If people want to use it and say, oh, you can't do this because it marks there and marks that, go ahead, you do that in your own head. It doesn't mean everyone else has to do it. In your head, As the other in your corner, head. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. As the other corner said there, well, they go, the South Africans are singing it as well. Yes, So right. does that mean the South Africans are wrong? It's a lo- it was a global hit. Yeah. It was a global hit. It's music. Mm. Go celebrate it. Enjoy music for the crack that's in it, for the banter, for the tune, for the dance, whatever. Stop putting this down and that down because, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. Yeah. Just go and enjoy yourself and stop taking life too seriously. Do you know stop what, Paul? Sorry, we're only here for a short time, not a long time. You're, well, <laughs> actually, the, 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 the original quote from a dear old friend of mine who's no longer with us was, we're here for a good time, not necessarily yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you feel when you heard? We, you weren't at the match, were you? No, I was sitting on the home match. Yeah. How did you feel when that sound cracked up? And there's forty thousand of us Just rocking in the best I stadiums in the world. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I thought it's because normally it's the fields of Aston and Ryan to just change completely to that, and it was absolutely brilliant. We, well, we got to lash that during the match as well. Do you, have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah any time, like I think, I think in the minutes leading up to Mac Hansen's try. Where the, the fields were belting out, like yes, belting out. That's it, like. But no, it did just change the whole, just change the whole celebration now yeah. with this there last hour. It was brilliant. I mean, it's fantastic. Celebrate the match what it is, and people just stop putting negative spins on everything. Do you know what? Paul? Nobody That's today. Every, and there's there's memes and everything going on on Facebook and TikTok and the whole lot all about it. Like just just enjoy life for what we have it. Fix it, like. Do you know what? Your my my missus was saying the very same thing to me, and she has no interest in sport that ever was. Uh, she yeah. said, why can't they just enjoy their moment? Just enjoy the moment. I mean, God, if there's a kid in the morning, you give him a clatter across the back of the head for taking for sulking over something like that. Go out and enjoy yourself. Jeepers, Jacks, when you were growing up, when I was growing up, you could tip around the ear if you were sulking for the likes of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know no, what I mean? be giving out to know for even suggesting clipping anything around the ear, but I know, I know what you yeah. mean. I know what you mean. Paul, thank you. Great call. Very positive. Very positive. Yeah. It was brilliant. I... I I'd love to be there. Now, Blue Badge. Um, okay, so, Mary wanted to know, was the Blue Badge 
exempt Saturday. And Anthony said, yes, it was. But you had to tell people at the barriers because some of them weren't too sure. Annette, morning. Good morning, PJ. How are we? You want to address something else that with regard to parking in an ordinary parking space with a blue badge? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was actually Anthony said it, that um, you're not entitled to park in an ordinary parking space with a blue badge. You have to put a disc up. Yes. Um, which now might be the case in Cork. I honestly don't know, PJ. But I do know that in Mallow, uh, because I have I have a badge myself, I'm partially disabled, and they, the traffic warden actually, I just met him by chance one day, we had a chat, and he said, Mallow have these new age-friendly uh, parking spaces. They're fantastic. They're really helpful for anybody, generally elderly people who wouldn't have a blue badge, you know? Mm. And they're located in, you know, in, in the perfect spot, like outside the post office, outside the chemist, that sort of thing. Mm. And he said to me that if ever the disabled uh, parking bays were full, that I can park in those ones, the age-friendly ones as well. So I was like, oh, grand, thanks a million. And I said, what about, you know, just parking in general around the street? And he goes, yeah, he said, you have a blue badge. He said, you can park wherever you like. He said, you don't have to put up a disc. Your badge is your disc. See, so, so that's the situation in Mallow. So, yeah, that's it, though. I mean, and as a, I know that, like, each council area has their own bylaws and stuff like that, so I, I'm not saying that that's the same in any, or any other town yeah. in the county, but it certainly is what the traffic warden told me in Mallow. Now, yeah. this is about three years ago, I okay. suppose, but, I mean, I can't imagine much would have changed in that length of time, you know? You, you weren't put out by him directing you to the age-friendly... <laughs> you can't you have to go one. there, PG, you? you just had to go there. <laughs> I sidestepped that beautifully now, but no, no, you bring it back to it. Are you calling me an old one? <laughs> yes, PJ. You're over the 50 mark. I'm not even close to it yet, boy. But anyway. <laughs> I'm, not close. I'm not close to it either anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're on the wrong side of it. <laughs> Go on in there to talk to you again. Thank you very much. 0818. 96, 96, 96. Right, we need to clear some of your correspondence because it's busy this morning. Uh, Tom is totally opposed to Car Free Day, and I'm in full agreement with George. They want to, whoever they are, they want to exclude me from my city. We've all paid into the regeneration of the city, and now we can't access it. And she is killing it stone dead. I presume you mean the chief executive and Doherty and the council. She is killing it stone dead. I presume you mean Tom. Um, blue badge, Geraldine, I have a blue badge and if I take an ordinary parking space, I've never been fined. I've never heard of anyone being fined with a blue badge either. So generally speaking, most local authorities seem to allow blue badges in all parking spaces. I was delighted to, by the way, when they sang Zombie. Oh, Ger, you're going to go there, aren't you? You are. Anything that gives two fingers to the IRA <coughs> is good in my book. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Dolores wrote it after an IRA atrocity, but it became, you know. And on that, uh, Dolores O'Riordan herself said, there were a lot of bombs going off in London. This is a quote. I don't know who's quoting this. Uh, this is a quote, a direct quote from um, Dolores on the writing of Zombie, and she said this in 2017. There were a lot of bombs going off in London, and I remember this one. This one time a child was killed when a bomb was put in a rubbish bin. That's why there's that line in a song. A child in the song, a child is slowly taken. We were on a tour bus 
and I was quite near the location where it happened, so it really hit me hard. I was quite young, but I remember being devastated about the innocent children being pulled into that kind of thing. So I suppose that's why I'm saying it's not me. But even though I'm Irish, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Because being Irish, it was quite hard then, especially in the UK. When there was no so when there was so much tension. And those are the words of Dolores in um twenty seventeen. That yes, it's not me. It, in other words, that had nothing to do with me. It's been done in my name, but had nothing to do with me. Thanks for that. Thanks for that quote. I've read a lot of Dolores' stuff. She's she's a, a small heroine, a big heroine actually in our house because she's my boy's favourite musician, or at least one of them. That's a good quote, though. That's a very good quote. Um, Sandy, PJ, we were never taught our Irish history in school growing up. And now it's time future generations should be given the opportunity to learn about the troubles in the North. It's a very important part of our history, says Sandy. And John has the last one for now. I might come back to this. They can shove irons, call up their arse. There's only one anthem. And rugby is an elitist sport anyway. Oh, John, don't start that with me. Don't start that one. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The 23rd annual Marymount Raffle and Coffee Morning will be held in the Goalpost Bar, Shanagari, on September 29th from 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. To date, they have raised over €96,000. Come along on the morning and enjoy a coffee, cake and chat and help them reach €100,000 for Marymount. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. There are hundreds, if not thousands, they reckon there could be thousands of people gather outside uh, Leinster House today, connected to the childcare and preschool sector. Um, providers and parents in support of them. Uh, the ongoing problem with funding. Uh, Fiona Murphy from Heronswood Child Care Centre here in Cork. You're, you're on the way or are you there already, Fiona? Good morning. We're, good morning. How are you, PJ? Great altogether. Are you there yet? We're nearly there. I think we're about 10 or 15 minutes out. Okay. And how many? The seven, seven buses. Yeah, we're in a bus here of 49, 49 of us all together from Carrigaline, from two services, from the Heronswood Childcare Centre and from Tots and Co. Okay, and is it staff and parents? We, we, we fill the bus with just staff um, really? alone. Fantastic. Yeah. So what's taking you up there, Fiona? Talk to me about why you're driven to this. Okay, I will. Um, basically, I suppose... It's funding is a huge part of it. Um, in we we had the preschool in Carrigaline for over forty years, and before the free ECCE year came in, um, we charged parents three hundred and thirty-five euros a month um, for five mornings a week. Okay. The government took this over in two thousand and ten, and they are giving us currently two hundred and sixty-two euros. So we were charging in fourteen years ago three thirty-five, and now we're only getting two sixty-two. In that's, 14 years. That's unsustainable. Completely unsustainable. Um, for example, in Heronswood Child Care Centre, we have, we're daycare, so we have children from 8am to 6pm. Mm. Our kitchen costs alone in 12 months have gone up 30%. Why? Well, we have been... Put, Gas and electric. We have, 
yeah, and the cost of living, just literally food, everything has just gone up um, crazily. Um, we we entered the core funding um, last year, and one of the stipulations of core funding was that your fees were to be capped. So our fees haven't gone up since 2019. So we're still charging 2019 prices. The core funding came in and the parents are now getting a subsidy, which is amazing. I think childcare is expensive and I think it's great that the government are helping the parents out. But unfortunately, it's come back on us hugely with the administration alone. Administration. Okay. Yeah, Hello, actually, somebody is. else, I was listening to someone talk about this this morning, the regulation and the paperwork is taking huge. hours. Absolutely huge. So so basically, the parents have to apply for a thing called a chick code for their child, and then it all has to go through a system, and then we get the money from the, from the government. But the, the paperwork that we're, we have to do to get that, I don't understand why they just can't get give the money to the parents directly. Mm. rather than it all coming through us. And then we have public inspections which come out and they go through to make sure that every child is is in for every hour that, that they're meant to be in and then they will take funding back if children are collected early and it's just crazy. It's just a crazy, crazy situation. And unfortunately, our minister, Roger O'Gorman, keeps spinning the amount of millions that they've put into childcare, but it's not sustainable. I only heard him do that this morning, there. actually. He, he was giving a figure for a couple of years ago and a figure for 2022 and he said, ah, well, we put the money up by 11%. And he's talking telephone numbers, but but where's the money going, Fiona? Um, it's it's going, I suppose, Roderick is, is over all children's services. It's not just it's not just childcare. So so it's, when he's talking about that money, it's for all different services. It's not just for childcare. Um, number one, and I suppose, yes, because the parents are getting, uh, getting money off, which is fantastic, but, you know, Childcare is huge and it's really, really needed in Ireland. So that money has been eaten up and it's not going to the providers, unfortunately. And the staff turner, turnover at the moment has never been so bad because the staff are leaving the industry mm. because the pay is so poor. Yeah. You know, you have you have staff that are with us who are our staff are absolutely amazing. Some of our staff have been with us for, yeah. for 19 years. But they earn more in daycare. Absolutely. Absolutely, which is which is which is ridiculous. It's crazy, and it's such um, a needed um, industry as well, you know. Um, and unfortunately, even by us closing to, for the next three days, parents have no choice but to take you know holidays or unpaid leave. And we didn't want to do this. We really didn't want to do this, but we feel we're just pinned to the wall at this stage. And you're not represented really, really by anybody. You're not represented by a union or anything like that. But but this is a, a coming together that could see could see a number of thousand people outside the doll today. Oh, I think there's going to be thousands here, to be honest with you. I really do. I think people are really, really stressed. And, you know, because it's, you know, we have such a fantastic relationship with our parents. It's not an easy thing for us to do, to put them out like this. Um, you know, we had to think long and hard about it. But we're saying, well, if we don't, my, my biggest concern is staffing. You know, every single childcare service in Cork, if you go into Indeed, our advertising at the moment, and we cannot get staff. So yeah. if, if if that continues, then we're going to end up closing rooms, and th- there won't there is, there isn't already enough childcare spaces for the people in Carrigaline alone. We must get eight to ten. I'm sure the other questions are the exact same. Um, inquiries every day for baby spaces, for toddler spaces, for preschool, and we're turning them away. In a, in a previous life, and it's a few years ago now because it's nearly twenty years since we left Carrigaline. In a previous life, my my missus worked and a small uh, childcare provi- uh, provider okay, well, down there. And they were full then. 
Exactly. Exactly. That has never been an issue. I don't think there's any any uh, ECCE or daycare centre out there that isn't full. So it's but it's if we don't keep if we don't get more funding to give the staff the money they deserve, then they're going to keep leaving the industry. Unfortunately, of course, they are. Of course you know? they are. when you when you get more when you get more money in Aldi, then you do mind yes. in, minding our children. A hundred percent. Oh, it is such an important job, and also. You know, I just feel that Roger O'Gorman is just spinning all the time these 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 numbers, and it's 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 unfair. It's, you know, he keeps saying this protest is unwarranted. We wouldn't do this if we felt it wasn't warranted. You know, this is we 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 support the families of Carrigaline and the extended area and children. You know, my mum started a preschool forty years ago in Carrigaline. We're nineteen years in daycare. You know, it's our it's our life. It's our livelihood, and. We don't, we don't want to go down without a fight. And they are trying to take us over. Our private business, they're trying to take us over. We're not allowed to charge what we want to charge. You know, they're just the stipulation, the paperwork, uh, the rules and regulations. It's, it's, they're just trying to take us over. Which I, I, asked, I asked this of, of many people, Fiona, and ask it of you and the people with you there in the bus. Why do you bother? That, that's what you feel like. That is genuinely what you feel like. And that's the way we are at the moment. You're kind of like, why don't we just go in and, you know, and like sell the business and try mind at home or, you know, go to an SNA, which we're losing an awful lot of stuff for SNA jobs in schools, which is a very important, important job as well. You know, and it's, it's the headache, it's the headache. And just, we feel very downtrodden at the moment, I suppose. And just, you know, not as happy as we were doing this job because we feel unrespected, mm-hmm. you know, totally and utterly unrespected. Um, and it needs to change. It needs to change. I think Roger O'Gorman is going to get an awful shock when he sees us all up here in our sea of orange today. Um, Why orange? That we're not backing down. Why orange? Um, why orange? Mm. The federation, the federation. It's, just, it's their, it's their, it's their colour. Ah, so they I just see. asked us all to wear orange. Oh, sea of orange up around the door. Thanks very much, Fiona Murphy from Heronswood Childcare Centre in Carrigaline. Uh, I talked to Hannah there in just a sec, but but uh, my daughter-in-law says this message. My daughter-in-law is manager of a creche in the UK. They have difficulties too. My worry is Ireland is going to get a reputation internationally as a country that can't cope with all these protests and complaints. I lived in the UK and was very proud to promote Ireland. I promoted Irish dancing, and they were fascinated by that. The ordinary decent English person would regard Irish people as very hard-working compared to them. But now I wonder, are we going to ruin a hard-won global reputation? Not entirely sure what you mean, but thank you for your, for your message. Now, ha- uh, Hannah Kate Finn, you have a place uh, near Mitchellstown, Hannah, and, and you two are closed today. Morning. Good morning. Um, yes, I have closed for the protest, and I suppose the first thing it's important to say that um, I don't want to have to close for the protest or to have to talk about a poor mouth. You know, like we set up all of our rural preschools with the intention of making a profit while doing something we love. Mm-hmm. Um, businesses have to make money and have to prosper, I suppose, to keep going. So protesting and closing like this, like this isn't a, a natural thing for us um, to have to do. It's it's not easy. Like parents um, choose to come to our private schools. Um, it is their choice. They, uh, I'm very rural. I'm five miles from Mitchellstown. Yeah. So people actually choose to come to me. Um, and it's the parents that are coming to me are being, that are being affected today. So that is something that's very hard for us. Yeah. Um, we don't like inconveniencing them or putting them out. 
we'd have a lot of children with additional needs and closing for three days is huge. Even the weekend, Mondays were always more difficult. So like three days in September, is it's huge. What's the financial reality behind your decision to close? Um, we got into this new core funding um, last year. We are called partner services, but partners is the last thing we are because we are given no choice. When I opened 12 years ago, we were getting 64 euros a child a week and now it's 69 and that's 12 years. Mm-hmm. So like, that's that's not possible. Like, like this year for me, last year has been the hardest year. I've never I've complained. Last year has been extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. I've had times where I haven't taken wages for myself in order to pay my staff wages. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the, in the account going back into this year. And that's like every summer, every summer with 12 years, we've done something. We've added another playground. We've added a donkey sanctuary. We've added a work shed outside for the children. It's a, a carpenter shed for all the world. Yeah. We've added a outdoor sand and boat area. This year is the first summer that we have actually not done anything or reinvested in the school. It's just the money isn't there. We want to make it better. We like our service is very unique. I suppose I have a lot of space. We do spend a lot of time outside. Mm-hmm. But the money just isn't there now. Yeah. SIP2 have come on and our staff wages have increased, which we need because our staff are amazing. Mm. Well, I heard from so another we, provider yesterday, uh, Hannah, how low the wages are. Ridiculous. Mm. Like, it's, it's very, like the money isn't there to pass on. And then, um, which is morally wrong, of these ladies that I have worked with me, everybody gets to go and sign on during the summer. Then, like, they are waiting for weeks to get it. And then when other people in the working in similar places in preschools or, or in primary schools, SMAs and teachers are paid their wages during the summer without a batting of an eyelid. Like, they have asked us to professionalise. Four of the girls working with me are degree level, mm. um, plus myself. Like, we have professionalised ourselves, but they told us they would give us funding for those with degrees. And then they said, actually, no, we're only going to give one per room. So yeah, like, it, that's something else I'm hearing, that you're only allowed to have one of these people per room. It's it's ridiculous. How do you decide which staff member is um, now, oh, I can only keep you because... I have to pay you, even if you have a degree and I can't use you, I have to pay you anyway. So it's just, it's wrong. How and why do you keep going? I suppose I have a bit of a checkered career myself. I started off as an electrician and an engineer and always just had a love for children and working with them, always wanted to do something like that. So I reinvented myself and went back and set up 12 years ago Mm. with four children coming to me. Now we have, we get up to 60 families per week. Right. Like, I just love, um, they come in and it's like a blank canvas. They're sponges, they take everything in. Yeah, it's amazing do. to work with them. I have five small children myself. It's brilliant. Like, they come with me, I get to spend more time with them. Then they go off to school and they're so over their cause. It's brilliant to see them, you know, flourish and grow. And all the staff that I have with me are exactly like that. They just love working with children. Yeah. An awful lot of people um, in the in the sector move forward and go doing SMEing or they go on and they get a further degree to do primary education. But if like it's, it is very specialised working with young children. We're on the floor with them all the time. Yeah. Like we, we get we have children that would come in to us non verbal and two years later they're ready to go to primary school. That's the magic. Like, 
That's the it, magic. It is. It's just we like it's for us to see it and be part of it. It's amazing. We just absolutely love it. And like the staff life, they couldn't do anymore. Like they're at home at night saying, "Oh, we have this. We need to look at that." And actually, I think this would work for him because that's not working. And then we change systems, and we, you know, they're just always doing things. Totally child centred. Totally. Totally child centred. And over the next three days, the parents of the children that come into you, what are they going to do? Are they going to have to? Take time off work. What are they going to do? Take time off work. They have families called in. Like I mean, I will say the support we have from families is huge. I mm-hmm. have gotten texts, and this morning someone dropped in a bag of goodies for our journey. I mean, we are nearly crying. Like people are just so good, and the parents. Like it was at one of the meetings we were at. We were told that um the biggest problem is that we don't tell our parents our problems and our issues and the reason we don't is they're dropping off their prized possession their child to us we have to be happy and calm and create a safe environment Mm -hmm. we don't want to be complaining but we've been told that we actually have to tell parents we have to tell them so when we're telling them like when I sent out a letter to inform them what was happening they were completely shocked they couldn't believe it completely because they didn't understand the financial situation is that it? they, they thought that the government was funding us and that it was all fair and even. We set up our like people like me set up their business to make a profit while doing something they love. When you look back at giving up the the electrical business and when you see just how in demand a good tradesperson is these days, do you regret it? I don't because I do. I do. I've been doing something that I love, that I'm passionate about, that I feel. Like every day is a new day and it's brilliant and you can see people coming from, um, you know, little kids coming, as I said, non-verbal to going off to school, being able That's to talk. You know, to parents that have never been able to bring their child downtown and now they can bring him downtown because we would have gone on a field trip and brought him with us. That's fantastic. You know. So you can't buy that. No, you can't. And like we are literally doing the job for the government and they tell us what they'll pay us. They tell us what we'll pay our staff. And there's nothing in between for us. Yeah. It's like they just don't care. And it's the rural services. If our rural services, like all the small preschools and child care services that are rural are gone, so are the rural primary schools. Yeah. There's so much more connected to it than just the individual services themselves, isn't there? I wish you well over the next couple of days, Hannah, and uh, good talking to you. Thanks very much. Yep, just just two voices, um, two more voices. We heard many voices from the sector over the last while, headed for the doll today to protest in their thousands, by the sounds of it. And I imagine protest peacefully and in a dignified manner, and with no screaming and roaring, or throwing of anything. Not saying anything at all, am I? But then again, I am. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Couple of television stories going around. The death announced yesterday, he was 90, he only turned 90 last week. Um, Ducky Mallard from NCIS, if you ever watched it, it's a great show and he plays a great role, or played a great role in it. Uh, Ducky Mallard, David McCallum, uh, passed away at the age of 90. He was around forever. The Man from Uncle was his big, uh, big role back in the 60s, for goodness sake. And then he was in Sapphire and Steel which was a, a kind of detective show in, in the 80s, the early 80s. And I, the one I particularly loved 
a long time ago was the Invisible Man, but he turned up as Ducky Mallard in NCIS. He passed away yesterday at the age of 90. Scotsman, originally. And then, I haven't seen this. I'm afraid to watch it. It's getting mixed reviews, but the people who matter don't seem to like it. I speak of The Woman in the Wall. This is a BBC drama to do with the Magdalene Laundries uh, and all things connected to it. And it's not going down too well with people who actually were in that situation. That's And, and that's why I'm kind of half afraid to watch it. Um, I, I would be un, uncomfortable watching something that I thought people who really knew something about it would be uncomfortable. But we say I might, I might watch it. I'm, t- I'm told it's very well made, very well acted, very well put together, but... But at the end of it, the song turns up at the very last moment of the very last episode. I'm everything a woman's not supposed to be. Yeah, it's Sinead. That's why they took my children off of me. She wrote that called the Magdalene Song a couple of years ago. It had never been released. And earlier, in when they were putting this show together, the producer, her producers, her managers, approached uh, the BBC to say, would they like to use this song? And they did. And she pa- approved it. Unfortunately, she never got to see it. They broadcast as part of the show. Sinead O'Connor's Magdalene song at the tail end of the BBC's The Woman in the Wall. If anybody's seen it, and would you recommend it to me? Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. Yeah, so we got some clarity on the blue badge. Thanks to Oliver Moran, Green Party City Councillor, for uh, clarifying this for us. I can confirm that blue badge holders do not need a parking disc. Bylaws from 2022 exempt blue badge holders from the obligation to display a disc. The rule is that a blue badge holder is allowed to park in a parking spot as if they had a parking disc, in other words, for two hours at a time. They can then park for, they can park for two hours with a blue badge. As one senior official said, every parking bay is now a disabled parking bay. So bylaws from 2022, which was only the other day, so you might have missed it. Thanks to Green Party Councillor Oliver Moran for that clarification. So if you have a blue badge, you can park in any parking bay. Uh, Put it up on the front of the car. Put it up under the windscreen. Don't leave it in your handbag. (laughs) As that woman did years ago. I'll never forget that call. I only wish I had it on tape. 0818 96 96 96. I mentioned this very early doors this morning. This story that Charlie Weston had in the Independent today that one in eight households, that's a shocking number, one in eight households are behind now on their energy bills. According to the regulator, the actual Commission of Regulation, uh, 256,000 customers, electricity customers, were in arrears up to June. And June, July and August is when the demands for energy tend to go down a bit. But as they come in now to the winter season or the autumn and winter season, they're going to go up again. 
and Charlie is writing today that this is going to put more pressure on the government to deliver better energy credits or more energy credits in the budget in two weeks' time. And Bonkers.ie, who do all of these comparisons, and you can switch your provider using Bonkers.ie, says that the energy credits were instrumental last year in keeping tens of thousands of households out of arrears. So these numbers put on Michael McGrath's table, they make it very clear people are going to need help again getting through the winter, even though the prices are starting to go down. Now, that's not unrelated to what you want to talk to me about, John. Um, You've not seen a meter reader for dust. Good morning. Hi, PJ. When would you last see a meter reader? Um, I'll tell you the story um, back on, on this. Um, I'm visually impaired okay. and it's getting worse. Um, the thing about it is I just kept paying estimated bills, estimated bills on such time as um, I got a, a bill in through my door and uh, the thing about it was I said, hold on a minute, they are always estimated. Now being visually impaired, I cannot see the digits on the meter okay. to ring in to give a, an exact meter reading. So I rang, um, it's Electric Ireland I'm with, and um, I actually said that, look, my bills are estimated. I said, before, I said, there used to be a meter reader come out to read the bills. I'm visually impaired. Um, and I'm just paying estimated bills, and I actually refused there and then. I said, look, I actually demanded a meter reader to come out. Mm-hmm. So, two days later, meter reader arrived and took the readings. And within a week, I got an adjusted bill. Mm-hmm. And I was a good uh, sum of money in credit. Oh, you were in credit. You've been overpaying. Yeah. I have been overpaying. But that's, that's the issue, PJ. It, that's money that I could have used on something else. True. True. I mean, times are hard as it is. So, I mean, I was overpaying by them not sending a meter reader out. I'm visually impaired. Times are hard for everybody. So, actually, they had my money, which I could have done to use on other things. True. Were the bills really high? They were. They were crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I was a, a very big sum of money in credit. Do you live on your own or have you family? Um, I have um, a wife, but uh, I mean, she works, so I, I, she doesn't be there most. You're at home a lot on and, your own, um, so you wouldn't be a big yeah. user of the electric. No, unfortunately, no. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be a big user. But the thing about it is, um, you know, it's it's bad enough going blind, but I, I feel I'm being stigmatised as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you, and has anyone offered you a smart meter yet? Because that's always going to be accurate. I'm I'm living rural, so I wouldn't be able to. Even the mobile phone signal that I have here is is absolutely atrocious at times. Okay. So and and unfortunately, living rural. The thing about that is, um, I don't think they're come up, going to travel all this distance to install one smart meter. Yeah, I got one put in a couple of months ago. I'm hoping to see the benefits of it during the winter, but the, 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 you'll never again have to worry, I think, about about estimated bills, hopefully, if they're installed properly and activated properly, but that's the story. But uh, look, at least, you've, at least you're in credit coming into the winter, which can't be a bad thing, but like you said, that's money you might have been able to spend elsewhere. John, thank you. Thanks a lot. 0818 96 
96, 96. Yeah, he's, he's visually impaired. He can't actually physically read his own meter. So why isn't there someone going out to, to read it for him? He had to ask for someone to come out because he physically can't read his own meter. Because if you say that's that's sad. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six, and some of those estimated bills were were enormous, absolutely enormous. Right, um, dating, matchmaking, it's still a thing. It's still very much a thing. But you know who are taking it up now more than ever before, and there was even a stand at the Ploughing Championship uh, last week in up the country. Matchmaking. Maureen Lockman, that was your stand. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very, very good. You good. not only do you operate a matchmaking service, you have two podcasts. And why were you at the ploughing championships? Why, why, why is there Look, such an interest among farmers? Yeah, well, basically, I've matched people from all walks of life all over Ireland. I've matched over 7,000 people since 2016. And I just found that a lot of them were farmers coming to me. And, you know, there's no, uh, like, no more empty feeling in the world than being lonely. And a lot of farmers are living in rural Ireland. They see very few people on a daily basis. They don't get to, you know, socialise as easily as some people that might be working on, you know, Cork City or just outside the cities uh, or bigger towns. And I just thought, you know what, they need a little bit more help. And since 2016, I've matched like hundreds, if not thousands of farmers all over Ireland um, successfully. And there are a lot of people out there looking to meet farmers. And there's a lot of female farmers. I've seen a huge increase in female farmers since um, the restrictions lifted after COVID and then a lot of gay farmers as well which is even more difficult for them to find love um, just based on limited numbers and everything like that in, in more rural areas. So yeah, any way we can help people to find love I'm more than happy to help them. Because of the nature of the job and the nature of the work involved and the hours and all this and the demands on your time is it a better thing that a farmer date another farmer or is that not always the case? Not always. Very often when people come to me, it's actually quite funny. If they've grown up on a farm, there's definitely two very clear trains of thought that, yes, they'd love to meet a farmer or 100% do not send me out on a date with the farmer. It's very clear definitions in both different directions. Um, so some people, you know, they definitely know they don't want to date a farmer. I also meet a lot of people that may have maybe grown up in a more urban area. They may have grown up in the city and might have come down to their cousins or gone out to their cousins for the summertime and lived on a farm for maybe two or three weeks while they were on their summer holidays as children. And they actually would love to meet a farmer. Yeah. And so there's two very definitive, but you know yourself, like farming is not like working in an office. It's not mm. like um, working in a shop. You don't close up the shop and walk out the door. No, it's that's kind of why I was saying that. You, you do find, you yeah. know, a lot of a lot of nurses married to nurses, doctors married to doctors, guards yes. married to guards, teachers married to teachers. I mean, with the same thing with farmers, you know, you know the deal. Yeah, it would. And you know what? It's great to have an extra pair of hands around the farm as well. You know, it's not that they're, and most farmers say, look, I'm not expecting anything from them. So it's not like they're looking for an extra set of hands. It's that understanding. You know yourself to be in a good relationship. You need to have a bit of give and take. You have to have a bit of understanding of the demands that might be on your partner, as well as the wins that might be there by having that sort of lifestyle. But like, you know, you are, the chances are you're going to be living in a more rural area. So somebody has to be prepared if they're going to meet a farmer. They have to have an understanding of country life. 
they have to have an understanding and maybe potentially like animals and um, also understand that they're not going to be going out out on a date every Saturday night at eight o'clock you know the maternity ward can be calling at some stages whether it's calving or lambing season or whatever the type of animal or livestock they have and um, you also have silage you know yourself we have to literally make hay while the sun shines um, at different times of the year because of the weather like mm. you only have that small window living in Ireland so all of those demands are there but the great thing is I really help people with that so what I do is I actually meet all of my clients in person so I'm actually in Cork again now on Tuesday the 17th of October and again on the 28th of November I'm normally down there every two, uh, three to four weeks is what mm. I would say uh, I meet all of my clients in person I get to know them the type of person that they would like to meet and then anything else that I feel might help me to match them so things like would you date a farmer things like you know are you from a farming background yourself things like um, how many kids would you like to have um, do you smoke do you not smoke like there's different weighting obviously put on the questions that I ask them what type of lifestyle do you have like you know if there's someone that really loves travelling and has kind of gone off on a holiday or a city break at least once a month chances are farming life is not going to suit them yeah. um, if you have someone that maybe likes a little bit more outdoorsy that say they love going hiking um, being outdoors things like that maybe introducing them to a farmer would be a good uh, way to do it yeah. again as I said farmers then with farmers then there's the, the age old question though who's going to move where it's very hard to pick up a farm <laughs> and move it from from Ardmore and Walford down Indeed. to Turk or something you know you have a lot of women in their late 30s early 40s in Cork but we here are struggling to find men yes. um, mm-hmm. You know, have you have you noticed that, and have you maybe a reason behind it, or do you know the reason? No, what I would say is, but most people that come to me, it's fifty fifty men and women. First of all, our matchmaking service is one hundred percent confidential. Second of all, very often women are saying they can't find the men out, but they're going to bars like cocktail bars and you know that sort of thing. Whereas I actually say to women, maybe you know, especially with the rugby, where I cup ball and everything like that, why not go to bars that serve good Guinness if you're in the market for finding a nice man? You know, like <laughs> you know, if you're not going to go into a man point there and start looking for to buy cows that's not where you go you go to the market to buy cows you know so like you know you have to know who your target is if you're looking to meet a nice man where are you going to meet them the chances are they're going to probably be out watching the rugby they might be at a GEA match they might be um, you know uh, those sort of places yeah. so like you know, if you're looking in the wrong places, you're never going yeah, to. Yeah, a good, a, a good Guinness, well. a good Guinness will draw more men in than a, than a nice Absolutely. espresso martini. Even though I love both. That's it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But what we find very often is women when they're going out on the night out. You know, very often when they get to the ages of late thirties. And in fairness, I want to say I watch people from early twenties up to eighty-three was the oldest that I've had. 83? So people from all ages, eighty-three. Yep. Yeah. Another lady come to me the other day, 75, looking to meet somebody. Um, they're the, they're the, I, all ages. But, you know, you did mention their late 30s. Very often that age group, a lot of their friends have recently had kids themselves. And therefore, their t- nights out tend to be going for dinner and then on to drinks to a disco bar afterwards. So I say to them, why are you going for dinner? Like you're missing like two, three hours a night. You're probably having a bottle of red wine, which is going to make you know, kind of lull you into kind of more relaxed state instead of a chatty state. Um so it's kind of being intelligent about it. A lot of men then mm-hmm. say they find it difficult to meet. There's, there's a real understanding I, of the human condition involved here, Maureen. 
Well, it is, but that's what dating is, you know, and dating is outside people's comfort zone. Like I once, I mean, honestly, once somebody came back to me and said, I've actually met someone and I asked everybody, where did you meet the person, you know? Um, and the only once did they say he came and knocked on my door. And the reason he came and knocked on her door, she was out in the street the week before cleaning her windows and it sparked out up a conversation and it came along the following week and knocked at her door. That's one time. So I thought you were going to say he's to, he's banging her car or something. <laughs> no, no, no. He was she's out cleaning her windows. No, no. More romantic story than that. But like, you know, uh, you, you have to remember, like, it is outside your comfort zone. You have to get a little bit creative. Um, and like only once have I heard of it. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming to sweep you off your feet. This isn't a Hollywood movie. You have to put yourself out there a bit. And I hate saying that phrase. But like what I say to people is when they come to me, you should be trying online dating. Like anywhere you can meet someone is a great way. I know I'm yeah. a professional matchmaker, but you should be trying online dating because the chances are you're going to be meeting people in your area. Also, you should be trying to get out and about with friends that are willing to be a good wing woman or a good wing man. You should be trying to get out at least once a month while single. This is being proactive, you know, and mm. like maybe not having all your friends out on the same night. Actually saying, OK, well, I'll have maybe meet Anne and Mary this week and then I'll meet Jennifer and Ashling next week. You know, just trying mm. to, to... If you're not in the shop window, out. you can't be seen kind of thing. That's what, it. What and about gay farmers? Give me a minute on gay farmers. Are there a lot of them out yeah. there, for example? I would say I have four or five, even in Cork, gay farmers there at the moment. Um, I'd have a good few in Waterford, Kerry, Clare, you know, Tipperary as well. There are, absolutely. Um, like, the like anybody is welcome to come to my love HQ for matchmaking. And I really mean that there's no boundaries. Anybody that's looking for love, I am more than happy to meet them. If we have suitable matches, we'll match them. But again, I don't just match two people because they're gay or two people just because they're gay farmers. They could have completely different interests. You know, one of them could be a very sporty and active and be, you know, big into GEA and plays a bit of GEA themselves. Another might say to me, I don't want to meet anybody that's, you know, into sports or anything like that. I prefer maybe going for dinner and doing cookery classes and things like that. So um, I would have both male and female actually gay farmers mm. down in Cork area. Um, and like, it's like fabulous. I just meet them. If we have suitable matches, we arrange their dates for them. You're back here again. When did you tell me? Tuesday the 17th of October Tuesday and then 17th. also on the 28th of November. And again, if anybody, those dates don't suit, they can just book an online consultation with right. me and we'll just get matching straight away. Love HQ, your website is? Lovehq.ie and my web, uh, my podcast then is Tough Love Podcast. Okay, okay. all right, listen, thank you. Maureen Lockman, um, we'll talk again, no doubt. But you got to put yourself out there if you want to get snapped off the shelf. That's our lot for today. Programme edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And podcasts up in the afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.